ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, and that beautiful rainbow in between, welcome to the podcast arena for the first ever bonus episode of D Comedy. But before we begin our discussion of the film, let's meet our podcasters. Entering the arena on my right. intro that I spent way too much time on. This is our first ever bonus episode, and there's no Emma here. I know what we talked about when we were going to do bonus episodes. We do, like, the Lizzie McGuire movie, Sky High, stuff that's Disney adjacent. But I decided, nah, we're going to do something I truly enjoy. So we're going to review the seminal classic, Hugh Jackman, Sean Levy, masterpiece that is Real steel. But, so you're not thinking it's just going to be me talking, I have a friend with me. Hi there, it's me. 
I'm Jules. <laughs> there you go. I was like, Jules, they, I they might if you not know who you put are. my name in the intro or not, but yeah. Oh, I did. Fantastic. I did. I Just double checking. Intro. But so, <laughs> yeah, so they know. But, you know, it's always good. Yes. So, uh, Jules, would you say that you are a fan of Real Steel? Real Steel is real good. I... <laughs> that's like oh that's my slogan for selling this movie to people. I love this movie to death. It's a we I, it's a great film. It's a great time. And so for those of you who aren't familiar with what Real Steel is and are very confused about what this episode is, Real Steel was a science fiction action sports movie that was released in 2011 with a all-star cast. Um and it made a lot of money in theaters, but after that like kind of nobody seemed to talk about it even though they should be because it's awesome yeah that's the puzzling thing of this isn't a bad movie and it did really well yeah. and yeah it did i was looking at the stats let me I'm gonna pull, pull them up it made it had a uh 110 million budget and made 299.3 million so it all more than doubled its budget. Like it did really well. Yeah, like I'll say, Underworld and Resident Evil films have made less back, and how many of those are there? Like, yeah, I it's there should be a sequel. But I did but, actually find out why because there was it's frankly been a bit of a weird mystery amongst fans of this film. Like, why hasn't there been a sequel? Because everyone's everyone involved in the film has wanted to do a sequel. Mm-hmm. Although Hugh Jack, I, th- I think Hugh J- isn't Hugh Jackman a little old for it now, don't you think? No, I think it's the two main reasons. Are Hugh Jackman's really busy. That like, too. He, that he's got all of his stage productions. He's also got Wolverine roles to play. There's all that. Although he is, he is wrapping up Wolverine. He is. But... He's wrapping up. So fingers crossed. But also, it came out recently that Sean Levy admitted he just doesn't have a good enough idea which he thinks is worthy of a sequel yet. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to just rush and make a sequel for making a sequel. You want to have a good idea but that being said sean levy hit me up i've got a ton of ideas yeah, like, for the real steel sequel yeah we'll, like please we'll talk about we can we can we'll save it for the end but we i'm sure we can draft a pretty decent rough cut oh, of the yeah. real steel too like it, um it's at least reassuring that hey we lost the tron legacy sequel which i'll always forever be bitter about and we got a pacific rim sequel which i'm really excited about but i also really want a real steel sequel please yeah that's that's true uh, but let's uh, let's get into it. So we open on a truck commercial, basically. Yeah, as... I forgot. <laughs> this was like I was waiting for Pepperidge Farm members to like show up. Like... No, for for me, I I think I had like my volume down mm-hmm. or something on my on my computer at first, and so I didn't couldn't hear the song that was playing. But I was like. I was looking at it and I was thinking, and in my head, Johnny Cash's Hurt was playing over <laughs> the lone truck going across the country road, and I was just like, "What is this? Is this a trailer?" But yeah, no, it's it's the intro as he's driving through a country road as a sad country esque song mm-hmm. plays. I don't know what song it is, but um, any the credits are rolling while he's going through just fields of wheat. And immediately we see in the credits, there is a lot of talent behind this movie. Yeah. Like a surprising amount. Uh, it's produced, executive produced by Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Um, the score is by Danny Elfman, who did, uh, who does all of the Tim Burton's movies, I think. Yeah, he, is, like he's the man yeah. behind like pretty much all, all of Tim Burton's movies. He's also the man behind the Simpsons theme song. Yeah, he's an incredible composer. Yeah. Uh, so like, okay, thank you, Danny Elfman. But also, we'll get into this later, you see, there's a lot of recognizable names in this movie, mainly from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, yeah. but we'll, we'll talk about them when they show up. 
So Hugh Jackman is driving this truck, and his name is Charlie Kenton. We don't know that yet, but we'll learn in a second. And he pulls up to like a fair in what we will learn to be Texas, mm-hmm. and uh, cuts to the next morning as the credits fade out. And there's like beer bottles everywhere, and this tree lives out of this truck. It's like a big. It's not like a pickup truck. It's like a not and not a semi. It's somewhere in between. I don't know how you would describe yeah, that. Yeah, like it's it's honestly like a cool design. It's a weird truck just because it's supposed to like. How do I put it? It's the sort of truck you would have to transport like hardware and stuff. Yeah, it's it's a bulky thing. Like it's so there's room enough for him to live in it, but it's I mean he lives out of his car. But yeah, pretty much. Uh, it makes sense because we immediately learn that he's a deadbeat loser. Basically, there's beer bottles all over the floor, and by all over the floor, I mean there's two beer bottles. But I think they want to create the image that there's beer bottles all over the well, floor. Well, I mean it's the case where like he came to a fair in the middle of the night and. It shows that he spent just the entire night drinking. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but you're at a fair in rural Texas. That's true. What else is there to do? I would say, there's a really nice, sad, pensive shot during the sequence where, like, when he comes to a rest and stops, he just looks at a Ferris wheel outside of his truck and just stares at it, like, in a really sad way. It's mm-hmm. really yeah. That's a, it's a pretty down yeah, moment. Yeah, there's a lot of moments like that in this movie where you're like, there's like, wait, are they going for an emotion? But then they actually land it. Like, yeah, it's very. You don't expect the emotion to actually work in this film, but it really does a lot of the time. No, you came to this movie to see robots punching robots, and then you get sad trucker man, and it's like, oh, oh, okay, there's actual character here, huh? Yeah, and so Charlie is a loser. And he's, uh, you may learn this because he's, he gets a phone call of someone trying to collect money from him. And he's like, oh, Bill, I got you. And he's like, Bill, no, you owe money to Bill too? This is Jack, blah, 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 blah. And he like, oh, so you see, he owes money to a bunch of people. Um, and then he does that classic thing where, uh, he's like, yeah, or like faking that his phone is breaking up. Which doesn't make a lot of sense because this is supposed to be the near future, and I'm like, can you still pull that card? Can I'm wondering. You still yeah, say- like the only time I really have trouble with that is like in a train underground, like not yeah. just driving around. Yeah, the and country. his phone is like this movie has a certain style where it's like uh, it's kind of a believable update of the modern of technology we have now, where his phone is just like a piece of what looks like crystal mm-hmm. with like the stuff projected onto it. And you'll see that kind of stuff throughout the movie. But, like, it looks really advanced. So I'm like, do they really... <laughs> and the guy on the other line, you can tell he's buying it. Because he just says, Charlie, your phone's breaking up. Like, are you okay? And I was like, are you telling me... This movie came out in 2011. So you're telling me in 10 years we will not have mastered the technology of phone calls so we don't get this problem? Like, oh, that's just, not believable. You just made me realize how old this movie is. <laughs> oh, no. I, I immediately started watching Because they talk about a lot of stuff that happened in the past. Where they'll be like, yeah, he won the championship in 2016, or started. Yeah. Oh, the, we start we started boxing with robots in 2014, and I'm just like, oh, real steel. Oh, boy. We come from a simpler time. Um, so uh, he, we then see these three little girls, who I believe are the director's children, if I remember correctly, based on my research. Oh, cool. Who are who? Who are like, uh, hey, Mister, is that ambush? And he's like. Yeah, hang on. And he goes and he pulls a controller out and then he spins around this big old robot that is sitting in the back of his truck and he controls him over to the edge of the truck. And this is the first robot boxing robot we meet in the movie and his name is Ambush and he looks 
beat to hell. Yeah, this is this is a ragtag cobbled together bot. Yeah, it's a bad bot, but I mean, I kind of like him. There's a there's some character behind oh, him. Oh yeah, like, like he looks see. like a real bruiser. He, like it's funny because all these robots, despite not really having like human proportions aside from you know two legs and two uh, arms and a mm-hmm. head. They still have, like, faces and stuff, and, like, he's just got this grimace, like, he looks like a yeah. boxer, which is great. Yeah, it's it's good. And so they want to get a picture with him, and Charlie tries to f- charge these children for $5 to take a picture with his robot, and they're just like, whatever. And uh, actually, another one of those moments where I was just like, oh, I kind of like uh, the emotion that they're going for there is, like, they're walking away, and he's like, all right, three bucks, two fifty, like, and they just, one of them just goes, you suck! And he's just like... Yeah, it's gonna be one of those towns, huh? And I was just like, you could tell in the, his facial expression, he's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know, I see. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's there to, he has agreed to engage in some good old-fashioned animal cruelty. Yeah, and, like, yeah. I, I forgot about this moment. <laughs> yeah. So, you think he's here to engage in a box robot boxing match, because he has a robot boxer. Or at least just show off, like, the robot, like, a fair attraction. Yes, but that's immediately proven to be untrue as we cut over to him by a bullpen complaining about how big this bull is and then we meet his not friend but someone he has agreed to enter in this animal cruelty endeavor with uh named is it randy it's it's ricky yeah someone from his past named ricky yes who is uh yeah someone from his past because they both used to be boxers and ricky thinks it's Hilarious, think, thinks Charlie's basically a big joke, because he uh, kicked his ass in the ring at some point. They immediately established Ricky's not a good guy in any I sense. I mean, neither... I mean, neither is Charlie. No, but, but like, like Ricky's, but Ricky's more of an Ricky's more of an asshole. Like, like, Charlie's not a good person, but he's not, but he's got, like, he will, he's not just gonna, like, be a jerk to you outright. Yeah, Charlie... But, like, Ricky's an ass. Charlie is shown to be, from the get-go, a downtrodden deadbeat. Like, I actually like, again, mm-hmm. that pensive moment I mentioned, because it establishes he's not really, like, happy with where he is. Meanwhile, Ricky is... No. ...straight up, like, stereotypical cowboy hat-wearing southern yeah. asshole. Like... Oh. Also, yeah, Hugh Jackman is also wearing a cowboy hat in this scene, and it's awesome. It's... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, he just has a cowboy hat suddenly. I like that. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's it's something I didn't know I wanted. Um, so he, so he and Ricky had bet that, uh, well, not bet. He, Charlie, he, Ricky agreed to pay uh, Charlie if he had his robot fight this bull. Which, okay, yeah, that's like it's um, messed up. Hmm. Wait a second. Yeah, and I mean, we'll learn later that Charlie is always desperate for any kind of money, mm-hmm. but like, mm, there's, it's real sketchy. That's a real like that's sinking to rock yeah. bottom. Like, but Charlie thinks the bull is too big, so he says in compensation he'll bet Ricky twenty thousand dollars that his robot can beat the bull. Which, what does that mean to beat the bull? Yeah, like is they my never question. establish. I originally like it, I I like, forgot about what happens in the scene. I originally thought like oh it was like a time match where like he just has to last a certain number of rounds, you know, for his robot to survive the bull. But that doesn't we that's never established. No, and the it's thing not. is. <laughs> And the thing is, the match is only over when the robot is destroyed, so was Charlie going to use this robot to kill this bull, yeah. is my question? Yeah, I think he kind of was. It's really messed up. Like, uh, But Ricky agrees to this 
bet on this horrible, horrible practice. And this is, and during this scene is where we learn that this takes place in 2020, which is just three years off, folks. So, oh, <laughs> I don't like the passage of time. Um, and so Charlie is like, and so Charlie, by the way, is super obviously does not have this money that he's. Oh God, no! He don't have, like he doesn't have any of that. Um, and so Ricky says, if you squelch on this bet, I'm going to beat you within an inch of your life. And Charlie is like, no problem. I got it. He super does it. He really doesn't. So, he, so Ricky is like the announcer at this uh, robot bull spectacle. And uh, Charlie is, you know, leads ambush in the ring and starts controlling him, showing him off. They let the bull out and they start fighting. And at first it's not super bad like he just kind of like uses ambush to pick up the bowl and throw him around the pen yeah. and it's still kind of messed up or whatever like, and uh and then he does this cool thing where the bull charges the robot and he uses ambush to jump over him yeah so it's like okay it seems to mostly be like avoidance and like just deterrence tactics exactly but then uh he the bull charges him yet again, but this time Charlie just decides, yeah, no, I'm gonna be cruel to this animal and use ambush to just punch the bull he, in the face. Like, these, and the bull goes flying to the other side of the pen. Like, okay, like, they establish this is a two thousand pound bull. That's the reason why Charlie was so like adamant against this fight when he came in. But also, this robot, these aren't like human tall robots. These are, like eight to nine feet tall, big yes. hulking masses of metal and machinery like like that that bull either cracked his skull or lost a horn yeah like, th- it's not okay this is like this is a pickup truck of a robot like versus uh, granted a larger than average bull but, but still, still it's it's man it's metal versus meat and the meat's gonna lose like it's so messed up this scene well like even if the meat wins the meat is not gonna win by a huge amount <laughs> Yeah, like, it's so it's guys. We love this movie, but it's really messed up. Yeah, like I'm scene. honestly from now on giving a caveat. If you watch this movie and you're squeamish about like animal cruelty, honestly, you can skip this scene. Like you can yeah, just you can go just from cut to where yeah, you go from pulling up to the fair and talking about it to then just him trying to leave on a truck. Or you can even just like get to the point where like he and Ricky agree to the bet. Just skip the entire bullfight yep. scene yep. and you get mm-hmm. all you need. Exactly. So this is also seen the scene where we find Charlie's and like a ton, like four other characters fatal flaw in this movie which is hubris because mm-hmm. he gets real cocky and he like makes ambush like showboat to the crowd and the bull comes up and just spikes ambush's leg on his horn and just tears it right off which again I mean the bull deserves it after getting punched in the face like it should be able to mess up this robot like it should have a win yeah. but it's kind I don't know if a bull could do that like yeah well I mean like it does go for like the leg joint which is partially exposed yeah. but it, yeah it's still like yeah, man that's a hell of a fucking bull if it can pierce metal yeah. like that Oh yeah, and it does it again because he loses the leg, comes clean off, and the bull throws it into the stands really dramatically. It's kind of like when a NAS- when NASCAR crash <laughs> crash happens, yeah. like a tire flies <laughs> into the crowd, like "Woo, I got yeah. me a tire!" So then Charlie tries to make ambush like hop and fight, but that don't work. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, eventually, the bull just spikes ambush's chest with his horns and takes it out. And Charlie's down his first robot, uh, and. Then Ricky's like, "Oh, that was redonkulous!" Because oh, I hate why Ricky not? So much. Yeah, and he's like, "I'll come back and get my money." And Charlie's like, "Okay, I'm gone." And so he heads to his truck. He grabs Ambush's remains, and he's trying to seal up. And he sees two guys coming towards him, 
And then before they can even say anything to him, like, <laughs> hey, Ricky sent us, you need that money, or just even Charlie Kenton, nothing, don't say anything, Charlie immediately just punches one right in the face. He just socks like, one just, guy to the ground, like he drops him. Absolutely, just, he's on the floor. And they say, wait, 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 it's cool, you're fine, we're not here to do anything to you. Do you remember, uh, I don't remember the I actually don't remember, really, I feel really bad. This is, I'm gonna yeah. put it this way, this is another case of mysteriously died mother that we never see. Yes, which, I know this is only barely a Disney movie, because it's produced by Touchstone, which is a Disney thing, but Disney gotta have its dead moms. And, yeah. uh, so... Yeah, I, I don't remember her name. I think it might have been Hope. I'm not sure. I don't think it was Hope. I think that would have been too cheesy for the movie. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But her Charlie's ex-girlfriend died. He has a son as well named Max that he just doesn't take care of or barely acknowledge. And and so they're like, you need to come to Texas and figure out his custody now that his mom's dead. And so he's like, okay, great. And he runs away out of the bet and Ricky's pissed off they didn't get his money. So then Charlie shows up in, I think it's supposed to be like Dallas or yeah, it's Austin, Dallas. It's like, like the state. It's in the city, at least. It's a big, big city. I don't know if it's the state capital, but it's a big Texas city. And uh, he's on the phone with a guy like, yeah, I need another robot. And he says, um, who, do you got anything for me? And he says, oh, Noisy Boy's for sale. He used to be great. Uh, and so he's like, he's trying to buy this robot. And he's like, no, I don't have the money. And like, blah, 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 blah. So then he, we cut into the court and we see that Max has an aunt named Deborah and an uncle named Marvin, and they're just immediately like, we're rich, we can take care of him. But they, and the judge says, no, uh, it goes, because Texas state law says it goes to next of kin, and so then Charlie comes in and he's just like, yeah, I gotta, I'm here to sign a thing, to sign over custody of my son, and then Charlie immediately picks up on how rich Marvin is, and he's like, I can use this because I'm a yeah, bad like, person. he sees... Like, Marvin, you know, uh, reassuring Deborah, and, like, he sees, you know, the jewelry she wears, like, the watch he owns, and it's a, he mm-hmm. immediately, like, he dips his sunglasses below his eyeline, and it's like, okay. As much of a sleazebag as Charlie comes across in these early scenes, Hugh Jackman sells it really well. Oh, absolutely. I know a lot of people are either hot or cold on Hugh Jackman. I'm very hot on Hugh Jackman yeah. in more ways than one. Huh. Um, but, and he is great in this movie. So, uh, he goes out, he goes pretending to call his lawyer in the hall, and Marvin comes down, and he's like, look, look, my wife really wants to adopt Max, and Charlie's just immediately like, uh, $75,000, and he's like, what? I'm sorry, what? (laughs) And he's like, you pay me $75,000, I'll sign him over, no problem. And he's like, uh, here's the thing, We, we have to go to Italy for three months, and there's really no, he doesn't say this, but there's really no instance, there's really no reason Max can't come to Italy with them, except just Marvin doesn't I, I want him to go, I guess. comes across as, like, Marvin, he he has planned this trip with, as he says, his oldest friend. It feels more like they want to go and just, like, experience, like, Italy and just be adults and have fun without a kid. Yeah, so Marvin's like, if you can watch him for three months, we'll come back and get him, bring him to New York, we'll come get him, and... That'll be good. And he's like, you want me to keep the kid for three months? And he's like, yes. And he's like, okay, yes. $100,000. <laughs> and and he's like, dude, I'm not going to sell you. I'm not going to let you sell this child to me. And he's like, no, no, look, uh, there's a way we get, everybody gets what they want. The kid gets a good home. Your wife gets the kid. You get to be the hero for convincing me to sign over the kid. And I get $100,000. And he's like, all right, you get 50000 now. 
and then 50000 at the end of the summer. And Charlie's like, boom, got it, no problem. He signs the paper, and he calls his robot guy like, I got it. Or buy a noisy boy. Meet there me is at such gym. another sleazebag moment when he's signing the paper and he's saying, I'm just glad we could all mm. come together and do what's right for this child. You just sold your son! Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. He's, he's, it, that's, that's what I, what another thing about this movie. Like, when they go for trying to stir up an emotion and it kind of weirdly works, it's good. But also, there actually is a lot of noticeable character growth with Charlie. And because in, because in the beginning, he's just the worst. They follow a golden, like, rule for any sports movies. If you want an arc for a character, which is, if you want them to start from the bottom and go to the top, they need to be at the bottom. Like, the bottom is bottom ever. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, he goes to Tal's gym, which is run by Bailey, who's played by Evangeline Lilly, who is the first um, Marvel cinematic superhero that is in this movie, because she's the mm-hmm. unstoppable wasp. And uh, she's there, and she's, like, working on a robot or something, and Charlie just comes in, and he's just like, hey, Bailey, what's going on? I need a shower. Do you want to take a shower? Just immediately Mm -hmm. hitting on her. And, like, she gets super pissy because she hasn't, like, heard from Charlie, and Charlie owes her, like, $6,000 in rent, which she needs to keep this gym open. And then he's just like, hey. And he turns on some of that Hugh Jackman charm on her. And then she's like, don't. Don't do that. Come on. Yeah, he's laying it on big. And no, I get it. Like, <laughs> yeah, they really hint at like there being a previous fling or a crush. They don't ever explain it. It's mm-hmm. just like he he mentions like you like this, yes. and she's like I used to. But actually, she has a good line, which is you like. She's like, I think you like when I turn on my Hugh Jackman charms, and she's like, I did once. Yeah, now I like money more, and I was just like, you get it, girl. Um, so he tells her that she's like, hey, the guy who's selling you Noisy Boy is here, and he's been waiting for two hours. And he, she's all pissed off that she's had to, like, keep this guy busy for two hours. And then he immediately, like, gets word that Marvin and the money is here. And uh, so we go outside. He goes outside to meet Max and Marvin. I really like the visual setups of a lot of these shots because we first see Charlie come out of the back of the gym and Marvin hands him, like, this mm-hmm. envelope of money they stuffs into his back pocket. And they come around the corner and there's Deborah. Yep. And it's like, okay, so Charlie's going to spend the summer with the with Max and like Deborah was like I'm glad you're gonna spend this time with him but you did a good you made the right decision to sign him over to us and like but the car is like a good I want to say 20 feet away like on the other side of the gym mm-hmm. and they let Max out and you immediately see he's just he's a regular ass 11 year old he's like just got a backpack and everything he's wearing headphones around his neck and they're just like see ya and they drive off and there's just this shot of Charlie and Max literally at opposite ends of this building just staring at each other. Yes, it's there's there's distance between them, both and figuratively it's, it's and literally. It's a simple technique, but it gets the point across really well. Yeah, and then uh, Bailey. Well, no, he explains like, "Hey, I'm your dad. I know you have no idea who I am, but here I am, and uh, I'm, I'm you're staying here for the summer, blah, blah blah." And then he just goes, "You screwed me." Like, I could have gone to Italy for three months, which is a valid point, but to be fair, Mar- Marvin but Marvin didn't want him there. Like No. They established Max is like honestly smart for a kid. Like not like yeah. Boy Wonder Almost, smart. He's well, just very intelligent. Later on he gets pretty close to Boy Wonder. He like, gets close. Kind but... of out of nowhere, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, so he Bailey comes out and is just like, "Hey, this dude's gonna leave." And he's like, "Oh no, no, here." And he pulls out the envelope of money and he's like, "Hey, where did you get that money? Did Marvin give it to you?" And she's like, "And he's like, 
uh, did you sell me? Like, but he's very offended that he's been sold. He starts for money. asking like, how much was I worth? Like, he's basically asking how much was I worth? Like, what, yeah, which what's he, the amount? And then he and then Charlie tells him the truth, which is I'm pretty sure one of the first times he does that. Like, yeah. he he says like, where'd that money come from? And he goes, Marvin gave it to me. And he's like, how much was it? He's like, hundred thousand, fifty dollars, fifty thousand now, fifty thousand later. And I was like, do what you're best at. Lie to this child. Like, don't let him know. As well, like he can obviously show. He, like, Charlie picks up on Max pretty well from the get-go. He can't really get a lie past this kid. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and so then Max is like, well, just give me, like, half the money and I'll be fine. Like, I'll Which go... Which is a fair deal. Well, <laughs> I know, but he wants to, like, live on his own. Like, I, you can't just let an 11-year-old out in the world with $25,000. And then he goes inside and he's like, give me half the money. And he's like, I spent it all on a robot. It's gone. And he's like, <laughs> all right, I guess I'll follow you inside then. There is a good rapport between these two of trading back and forth who's mm-hmm. the kid and who's the adult because oh, just yeah. Charlie's saying I bought a robot like, yeah that's true that is true I I bought a robot the sequel to we bought a zoo oh damn it Jules I was gonna say that you just stole it <laughs> I was trying I was I had it in my head I was like there's a we bought a zoo joke in here somewhere um <laughs> Uh, so, oh God, uh, so he goes inside to check out Noisy Boy, and this is where we meet my favorite robot in the whole movie, my good, good samurai boy, uh, and Noisy Boy, they open up the doors, and Noisy Boy steps out, and he's giant and blue, and he's got Japanese kanji all over him, and he oh, looks Oh, yeah, like neon awesome. yellow kanji as well. He like... looks so good. It's, I love Noisy Boy. He's my favorite. Um, the fun, fun fact, actually, um, I, for the people who know me, uh, know that I name a lot of things I, and personify them. Like I have a name for my car and my skateboard and everything. And my phone's oh, yeah. name, my phone's name is Noisy Boy. That's nice. That's yeah, pretty good. <laughs> yes. Because I just, I heard that and I would play the real steel, uh, <laughs> mobile game on my phone all the time. And so I would always play as Noisy Boy for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I was just like, I'm just going to call my phone Noisy Boy. <laughs> uh, they are checking out Noisy Boy. And at first he doesn't, like, they can just make a move and he kind of doesn't work. And then they realize he has this thing built into him where you can just say moves and combinations and it'll do them. You don't have to press any buttons like we've seen before, uh, which will become important later. And they have to switch him to... Uh, English, so he understands them, and Charlie's like, yeah, I was due for some good luck, let's go fight this bad boy. And so they load Noisy Noisy up in the truck, and they get ready to go, but then uh, Max, like, stole Charlie's keys, and he's like, I'm going with you, and he's like, no, you're very much not. And then he's just like, either I go with you, or I drop your keys down the sewer grate. And he's like, after some messing with them, he drops, he doesn't drop them, and he gets in the car. And they show up at Crash Palace, it's pretty dope. I love Crash Oh, yeah, Pal. Crash Pal. Cool... Like, this is one of... There's some really good backdrops and sets to this for, like, the mm-hmm. robot fights. This is one of my favorites. Yeah, it's so dope. And then um, you see, like, a bunch of other robots as he walks in, some of which I actually know the names of, even though they never stayed into the movie, because, again, I love this movie. And there's you, a lot of I world them building. Them like... I'm just gonna say it now. There's lore here, there's people. There's a lot of lore here. Like... Like what? Like you know, all these robots have names and distinctive looks. Like it's really impressive the amount of lore in this movie. That like, it doesn't need to be there, but it's really welcome. So he, so Noisy Boy and the and Max and Charlie are walking in. They look like badasses over to the crowd who are like, oh, betting on fights and everything. And then we meet the other Marvel superhero that's in this movie, who is uh, Anthony Mackie, aka the High Flying Falcon, and he 
uh, is like, yo, Charlie. He's very over the top in this, but he's still fun to yeah. watch. Um, and his name is Flynn, even though that's va- really unimportant, because, again, he's kind of unimportant to the movie. Is it Flynn or Finn? I think it's Finn. Oh, it's, it is Finn. You're right. I said it wrong. We, so they walk in. Finn's like, yo, Charlie, what's going on? And it's like, hey, Finn. And then he just goes, is that Noisy Boy? And he's like, the one and only. And he goes, that's Noisy Boy! And everyone goes insane, and I go insane, because I love Noisy Boy. And mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. like, oh, who do you want to fight? Oh, first he's like, he hasn't seen American soil in like two years. He's been doing a world tour. That's why he's covered in uh, kanji and looks like a samurai. He is like, oh, you can have any undercard fight. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. This is Noisy Boy, a real WRB boxer from back in the day. And they also mentioned something that I didn't pick up on my first, on the many other times I've seen this movie, is they say he was made by Takmashido, whom, who we'll meet later. Which, again, there's oh, yeah. oh. there's lore here, people. Like, there's backgrounds. Yeah. Well, you could literally... Uh, I, you could do so much. But anyway, Bax is like, no, take an undercard fight, make a small amount of money, and get out of here. But Charlie's like... But he says, if you win, you get $50,000. And he's like, nah, we'll take the title. We'll take Midas. Um, which, by the way, I love the robot names in this movie. They're all so, so good. There's so much character to the robots, which yeah. I love. That, like, that's another thing that I was going to talk about later. We can talk about it now. The special effects in this movie are really good in terms, oh, of, yeah. in terms of how the robots look. Because they do half of the robots... Uh, the robots are both CGI and real at times. So when they're fighting, it's obviously uh, CG. But when they're just kind of standing around, there are puppets that they actually used. It really gives them, like, you can see their weight and their character when they're standing around people. There's, like, a lot of presence to them. Like, before yeah, we that's first a good word. ambush, like, when... It's a proof of concept, that first meeting, because when ambush yeah. first walks out, like, he walks past chains, like, t- chains, like, brush off of him, like, some... He pushes a shelf out of the way. Like, it shows that these robots have presence Yeah, present, in this world. presence is a really good word. I would really like to see, like, the concept art for this movie. You see, like... Oh, the, God. The... Like, give me a concept art, like, book, as a... Co- yeah. Like, a coffee table book. I yes. would gladly display that absolutely but so then we cut immediately to the fight with midas and they both do these big grand entrances down the tunnels where like they're lined by like the machines that put cars together in factories and there's fireworks and it's going so, off. like i was saying before with the characters of the robots the way each robot's introduced is like they don't treat these robots like inanimate objects no. aside from like you know, their damage and stuff, they treat them like people, because it's like, you know, Midas the champion, it's like this big Roman crested, like, robot, and then it's like Noisy Boy, and they say, like, he's been on an exile tour for two years, like, and he's back on American soil, like, they're presenting them like they're real boxes, and it's it's amazing. It's really good, and again, uh, part of that is Anthony Mackie giving a really fun, really fun, over-the-top performance standing in the Mm -hmm. middle of the ring with, like, a big-ass old-school microphone just yelling into it, and the crowd's going crazy around him. And so the two get in the ring. It's a smaller ring than what we'll see later on in the film. And they just... And the fight starts. Also, we see the guy who's operating Midas, who, again, just looks, like, crazy. Like, he's got... He's bald and has one only one eye, and he's got the, yeah, the, this weird controller. All of, all of the underground, like... I'm gonna call them pilots, honestly. Like, all the underground robot pilots are basically the most anime characters, and I love oh, them. Oh, yeah, we'll meet the best one later. <laughs> he, yeah. He's amazing. <laughs> so, the fight starts, and this is the first... Honest to God, robot boxing in this film, mm-hmm. and it's pretty damn good. It's I, it, but it also oh, it sells it. It's it's really really impressive. 
um, just watching these two go at it. But the thing, the but it kind of starts to turn for Charlie because he's using, they mentioned earlier that Noisy has a bunch of these combinations preloaded into him. So you, he just is saying things like Shogun Trinity, Gravity Slam, Uptown, and just like doing all these special moves. And at first it kind of starts to work, but then he kind of starts to lose him. And then he just, Charlie gets more and more desperate and he's just kind of starts calling out moves at random that he doesn't even know what they do. Like it's very rare. And again, this is something I didn't notice on my first a couple of the many other times I've seen this movie is that Charlie, I, I, th- I don't know if we've explicitly mentioned it yet, but Charlie used to be a boxer and this, in this fight, he kind of, it, it doesn't really go his way because he doesn't really do any straight up boxing techniques. Like he only says like jab, jab or anything, uh, only a couple of times. Most of the time he's doing like the crazy combinations and everything. And so it's kind of a nice little subtle bit of storytelling that when he tried to stop using what he knew about boxing it doesn't really go well for him. yeah when he's when he goes with the you know flashy stuff that's mm-hmm. the you know all the rage these days it's not really working as much but so again this fight is really good noisy and midas start going at it noisy's on top at first but then midas comes back but then noisy kind of tries to save it. but then midas just chops noisy's arm off yeah it, it you then start seeing how vicious robot fighting yeah is. and they'll talk about it later about how violent the sport is um and the, as much as as much as I like this flight, like I honestly, that's something I think that's good about this movie. I can't think of a single fight in this movie that I don't like, um, yep. except kind of for this one, only because Noisy Boy loses, and it makes me sad because I love Noisy and Boy. loses badly. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so he gets his arm chopped off, and then Midas just like pins him in the corner, and then just straight up moon punches his head off, and then he gets mm-hmm. embedded in the ceiling of Crash Palace. And it's just, it's cool, but at the same time, Noisy Boy's done in this movie, and it makes me very sad. You feel, honestly, pretty bad for these robots because of the way they build up the character and personality surrounding their design and entrances and fighting style. You go, oh, like, it's not like when they get knocked out, they're knocked out, and they can, you just Mm -hmm. think like any other fighter, oh, they'll be back another day. They're dead. Yeah, this (laughs) will happen. Yeah, this happens again later. Where a robot just gets annihilated and it makes you really sad. Yeah. So Charlie's out his second robot of the movie and he needs another one. Because I will say this, Charlie's kind of a piece of garbage and is at rock bottom, but he's always trying to find his way back in. He's always he never he never really like just gives up. Yeah, in this they actually movie. I like it's not as severely overstated as it would normally be in any, any other movie, because we'll see later on how they mention it about another character who we'll meet, but it's presented as if Charlie, he'll get knocked down a lot, but he will always get back up to some degree. Yeah. So he needs a new robot. So they sneak in to this junkyard uh, where there's just various robot parts lying around. And it's a really impressive, like, uh, shot of the junkyard where you see all of it, where it's just like, there's like a space shuttle in the background and there's like signal lights everywhere. Like, it's a cool shot. I will say just um, quickly before we move on, there was a really nice scene before this when after Charlie loses Noisy Boy and everything, and Max just points out that it wasn't... Because Charlie's blaming Noisy Boy, saying, like, oh, he was screwed up anyway. Like, I knew I got that robot for a bad oh, yeah, price. Yeah. And, like, Max goes, no, you just didn't believe in this robot. Like, he had a lot of potential. You just didn't learn, like, what made him great. You didn't learn any of the combinations. You didn't know what those moves meant, like we said earlier. And it shows, again, like, Charlie tends to just at this point not have a lot of faith in things which is actually hindering him a lot it's almost like he's he's too used to losing and he's willing to just stick with that 
subconsciously. Yeah, in a way. That's definitely... You're, you're right. That's definitely there. But also, go to hell, Charlie. Don't you say noisy... Exactly, yeah. Boy. Like, he's, a perfect, he's a perfect, good, good samurai boy, and I will not have to insult him. Noisy boy is so good because it looks like... It looks like it's uh, an evil monster of the week uh, tokusatsu robot villain. I love it. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. And I love him. He's great. Uh, but yeah, you're right. That is a good scene, and it does really give a good character moment for mm-hmm. Max. I am Charlie. And Charlie's part of the but Yeah, so they're in, this great, they're in this junkyard. And the problem I have with the junkyard is that it's loud and darkly lit. But then this is the scene where they decide to give us some crucial exposition about this world that we're mm-hmm. inhabiting. And so it's like, could have picked a better time, guys, but <laughs> yeah. okay. And so it's in, it's in this scene that we learn that, I think they say around 2014, mm. uh, boxing uh, started to shift more to robots and because people wanted more violent. They wanted to see things fight to the death. And so human bodies, human boxing went out to the wayside because humans couldn't meet the demand of excitement and whatever. And so you see, and he, Max, here's like the tone of Charlie's voice being talked about how disdainfully it's all about the violence now or whatever. And uh, he asked Charlie, did you, do you miss it? Do you miss boxing? And then he's like, doesn't really give him an answer and then he's like, careful, you're on a cliff. And he's like, oh, I am. Because he's literally on, like, a yeah, cliff. Yeah, this is a weird, like, I'm not going to lie, this is a weird landscape to this junkyard. This is a plot cliff. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, a plot, that's exactly This is Chekhov's this is, cliff, like. <laughs> Chekhov's cliff. <laughs> yes, if you, if you mention that there is a cliff there, someone must exactly. fall off Exactly, of like, there's no other reason for there to be a cliff in a junkyard. You're right, and again, and exactly, Char- Max is leaning over like, man, there's a cliff, if you fell off, you'd totally die, <laughs> and then falls off the cliff because the ground underneath him is wet, and it breaks away from the cliff, and then Charlie's like, running down to, running downhill, because he's gotta save him, and then Max stops right before he's thrown off of the cliff, and he's saved by a single robot arm sticking out of the ground, and Charlie comes over, and he pulls him out, and it's a really dramatic scene, and Dakota, Dakota Goyo makes some incredible facial uh, gestures yeah. that are hilarious if you take out of context. <laughs> like, seriously, I, I don't know how that's not a meme for something. Like, they're great. Uh, and so he saves his life, and he's like, okay, you know what, let's just get out of here. This was a bad idea. You almost died. Let's just go. And Max is like, wait, wait, wait. Uh, I think there's a whole robot under here. And he's like, so? And he's like, it saved my life. Go, let's go take him out. And he's like, no, it's probably just some piece of junk. Let's leave. And he's like, no, I'm not leaving him. And he's like, fine, you can dig him out yourself then. I'm going back to the truck. Which I'm confused by a little bit because I thought the whole reason we were at the junkyard because Charlie needed another robot. And I was like... Take what you can get. Like, you're literally digging around in a junkyard. Well, I think as well, it's... In a worse-off movie, this would feel very inconsistent, but it, they do a good job with the trading off of what role each other... Uh, both of them play to each other, and, like, their own personalities and how they balance each other out, is that... You know, Charlie did save Max's life. That's not, like... Mm. It was by sheer coincidence this robot arm was sticking out. It was... You, you could almost call it serendipitous in regards to the plot and how that evolves from here on out, but... Charlie was the one who pulled him off the cliff, and Max goes, this yes. robot saved me, and he's like, no, I saved him. What the hell, kid? Like, I... T- yeah, but to be fair, you could say, it was destiny. You could. You could almost say that. But at the same time, I also, like, can imagine Charlie's just sick of this idea that, hey, in his eyes, this robot, by coincidence, 
didn't do anything. It just happened to be there at the right time in the yeah. right place. And I told Max to be careful of the cliff, and he didn't listen to me, and that's what led to this. I'm sick of this. I'm going back to the truck. Absolutely. And also because this robot will essentially become Max's new dad for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie will get there eventually because Adam kind of teaches him to be a better dad. But mm-hmm. but, but Charlie Max is basically like he will be my father now. Yeah, um, pretty much. Yeah. So he digs he digs the robot out, and he, they're both covered in mud. And there's a cute scene where Max walks up to the truck carrying the robot on the on a uh, cart, and then just like starts punching Charlie because he never Charlie. came back home. It's pretty cute. I also like this scene as well, like the way it's shot. Because it's like, it's early morning now, and yeah. Charlie at least waited for Max by the truck, and mm-hmm. Max is coming up with the robot in the cart, it's, it's like very Peanuts-esque Charlie Brown carrying Snoopy in like his red, like, wagon, <laughs> like... Yeah, it's pretty funny and cute, and I like it. Um, so then, they take the robot back to Tal's gym, where Bailey is, and she is just like furious that Charlie lost the robot that he spent all his money on already. And she's and she's like, Charlie, are you done with this? Like, there's because I sure as hell am. Charlie's just like, I know. Like, he can he doesn't say this, but he can tell on his face. He's just like, yeah, I know I'm a mess. Like, but this is the only thing I know how to do, basically. Both these actors really sell this because again, in a lesser movie, this would just be too hokey and over the top. But this mm-hmm. feels like an actual real confrontation. Like the final straw has been yeah. broken, and there's a little moment where like. Because we've seen Charlie be constantly loud and boisterous and angry and stuff, and, you know, Bailey calls him out on all of this stuff and just finally says she's done, and there's a little quiet moment where Charlie, he actually just sniffs and looks away and, like, wipes his nose, and you can tell, like, he's on the verge of crying. He realizes he's completely screwed up. Yeah, he knows he's in the wrong, he's wronged this woman who's done all of this for him, and he has yeah. no right to even ask her for help anymore, but he's, it's, it's all he has it's all he can do like so he just doesn't know what else to do basically and so he asks her to look at the robot and she's just like upset but she does it and she walks over and she's just like i've never seen anything like it it's uh gen 2 but barely which early on they explain that there's generations of robots like yeah uh, and, and so like... this is a this is a this is an older bot. Yeah, like, the way they bring it up is that early generations, uh, as Charlie mentioned, looked more, like, pe- looked very much more like people in terms of physicality and, like, s- structure mm-hmm. and anatomy, so they, they look more reasonably proportioned. They're not these giant, like, inverted triangles of mass and metal. Like, he's, like, just built like a regular person. Uh, yeah, so she's like, this is a crazy bot you got. I don't know what to make of it. I found, I fixed him up a little bit so he could maybe power on. And he's, and he's like, it's a sparring bot is what they call it. He's uh, just kind of, he's not really meant to be a fighter. He's meant to train other fighters, basically. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, maybe we could get him a sparring gig or something and make a couple hundred bucks. And she's just like, Charlie, give up. And he's like, Meh. and Max walks in and he's like, no, it's my robot. I get to decide. I dug him out all night. My robot. Bleh. And he's like, okay, whatever. And so she, and she's like, before you start fighting over this robot, let's see if he even works. And they power him up, and sure enough, he sits up, and he kind of moves back and forth a little bit. He's got a lot, of, again, this is the most character they give to any of the robots. And they, he, they, it's all in his eyes, basically. And he has, like, a wireframe over his face. Um, so he it almost looks like a fencing mask in a weird way. Yeah, that's actually that's a perfect example of what it's like a fencing mask. But they there's kind of a scratch along it, so it looks kind of like a smile. 
Like yeah, it looks easy. It looks like this robot's always giving a, a wry grin, and like he's got at the moment because he's caked in mud and stuff. He's got like his um the light up eyes behind the wireframe look almost like look it almost looks like he's got like a black eye in a weird way. Like one yeah. eye is small in the other, yeah, it like does. swollen up. It does. Um, and so they they're surprised to see that he works, and he starts to move with them and they say oh he's got a shadow function that's that's pretty rare and so shadow function just means he sees something and he'll copy it so if like it's like a mirror basically but then he'll store mm. what he sees to his own memory so it's yeah. it's it's a pretty cool idea and so then charlie's like tell you what why don't you go wash up uh the robot and yourself because you're both covered in mud and max goes out and does that and there's and then there's just a scene of him like waving the hose in front of the robot and if some different music was playing underneath it, it'd be a really weird scene. But instead, it's just like, ah, <laughs> like it's like the Halo Choir or something. It's weird. Uh, but he dusts off the dirt from his chest plate, and he sees that the robot's name is Adam, A T O M. But guys, it's like Adam, like Adam and Eve. It's a thing. I know, man. like the first robot. Like, yeah, they really hint at this a yeah, lot. It's again, there's lore here. Uh, yeah. So I, uh, they, he comes in and he's just like, his name's Adam. And he's like, all right, cool. And he's like, can you get him a fight? He's like, no, he's a sparring bot. He's not meant to fight. He's meant to take a lot of hits, but not to deal out any, not to hurt anything. And he's like, okay, can you get him a fight? And he's like, well, you, he's like, dude, there's nowhere I can fight this robot. Cause you were scared at crash palace with all the people around the place that would you let you fight this robot would make you pee your pants. And he's like, great. Get him a fight. And he's just yes. like, and, and so they load up Adam into the truck. They don't, he doesn't get him a fight or anything, but he says he needs to go uh, see if he can get a partner to go in on another robot because he does not believe that he can do anything with this sparring bot. And so he go. they drive to, I think they say it's like Virginia or something. They drive, it's a long way. They drive a long way. And mm. uh, they come to this massive sports arena dome and... Max immediately starts freaking out. He's like, the champ's here! The champ's here! And because he's the title fight is here. So they get backstage. He's like, I gotta go find Finn. You stay here. And then Charlie goes off, and we meet the quote-unquote villains of the movie um, who are... Ah, oh God, I don't know how to pronounce her name. It's a weird name. It's, um... Let me check. It's Farah Linkova. Farah Linkova, who owns the champion of the WRB, the robot... Wait. The robot... Yeah, robot. World, 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 world WRB, world, world robot, robot boxing. boxing. I took that messed me up a second. I wanted to say wrestling, but I was like, nope, it's a boxing movie. <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they, she's getting interviewed by like reporters, and the robot is right behind them. And I think we know it at this point. The robot's name is Zeus, and it's this big hulking black and green monstrosity that has Gatling guns for arms, basically. And it's, yeah, it's, it is. It's, this thing is built to kill. Yes, he's like Ivan Drago if he was a robot. <laughs> they literally, there's literally a line where, like in Rocky Four, they go like, "Whatever he sees, he destroys." In this one, they go, yeah. "Whatever faces him, he kills." Like, yeah, like they're like, building this up to be like yeah. he's the big bad, and he's he's he does his job well. He's really he's very intimidating. He's he really it's great. I love I like Zeus a lot. He's a good obstacle for to like he's a good if you had to make a champion robot i would go with that so a design like that mm-hmm. so you meet Farlinkova who owns zeus and then you meet takmashita who we mentioned earlier who built zeus and uh 
they just kind of like talk about him about how advanced and amazing and god well, he is they also give a little bit of lore behind Takmashido because they mention like you know do, will we you know, the press goes can we you know, meet Takmashido he's a recluse former boy wonder like he's behind a lot of like the reason why robot boxing exists like can we meet him and she's like ask him yourself and he's like just right there stylish yeah. Japanese man oh yeah he's he's very stylish I like him a lot um, I like how they say he's like a recluse like inventor and he doesn't he just looks like he was completely preened by like public relations beforehand <laughs> like, yeah a little bit yeah slick back hair tasteful goatee like leather jacket yeah. and he came out of retirement to build Zeus so mm-hmm. uh, Max is freaking out uh, Charlie finds Finn and tries to get him to give him some money for a new bot, and uh, and Finn just goes, "I'm sorry, I like you, dude, but you're a bad bet, brother." And and Charlie gets very sad because he knows he's a bad bet, and he can't even count on his friends. And he says, "Oh, if you need money, though, you could always take. He's, oh, you always got something in that boxing robot truck of yours. Uh, do you got to say I got a sparring bot? But it's like nothing. It's like, oh, take him to the zoo. They're fighting tomorrow. And he's like, the zoo. I wouldn't be caught dead at the zoo. And he's like, I don't think you have any other options. And Charlie's just like, ah. Eh. And so he goes off. He finds Max. Max is freaking out about how awesome Zeus is, and because the fight that Zeus is there to fight is already over. It's done. It's done in two minutes." And yeah, like they like Charlie's waiting outside of this door, and then when it opens up, they cut out the remains of this bot. And his, his, been, na- like, his name is Axelrod, I believe. Yeah, Axelrod has been bisected the waist and is like jerking back and forth and sparking yeah. and like completely demolished. And like, yeah, Max is all like, "Did you see that? Oh my god, that's what's left of him! Oh my god, Zeus yeah. is so cool." He's like, "Yeah, this is great. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna take my robot all the way to WRB. We're gonna do it." And he's just like, really? You think you're going to get that far? All right, well, there's a place called the zoo. You fight tomorrow. Let's do it. And he's like, awesome. And uh, then he's cuts to the next day, and uh, Max is teaching him a couple... Like, he's not teaching him boxing, because Max doesn't know boxing. He's, like, basically showing him how to punch with the shadow function, like, because he needs to know that. So he's just kind of making up some moves. He makes up this one where it's, like, a double-handed uppercut all the way. Yeah, but it's, like, it's him... It's almost like the way you jump to cheer, but it's yeah. that as a double uppercut punch as well. Yeah, and you don't. It looks kind of dumb when he's doing it here, just in the parking lot. But when he uses it later, it's awesome. Um, and so then they uh, pull up to the zoo, which is just an old, broken down. I think it's called the Schaefer Zoo that doesn't have any animals in it or anymore. Yeah, it's just it's an abandoned place that's been turned into like an outdoor robot yeah. boxing ring. Yes, yeah. and uh, this is where the movie turns into Mad Max for like ten minutes. And yeah, we, yeah, yeah, it really does. Like, animate Mad Max. Like. Yes, because we there's everyone looks scary and dirty and loud and is drinking. And it yeah, looks, everyone it, looks like the stereotypical Hollywood metalhead. Yeah, if you, like, it looks like if you cut out these ten minutes and just, like, showed the crowd and the robots fighting or something, it looked like a dystopian future where only robots, <laughs> actually, where, ro- yeah. where robot fighting is the only sport. Um, yeah. So they meet the main guy uh, who runs this place. His name's Kingpin, and he's hilarious. He is the he's, most. He's actually played by the sc- the person who wrote the script for this. Really? Oh, that's amazing. yeah. That's, that's actually that's the screenwriter for Matt. For not Matt. I, I, I Matt oh god, um, I love it. I love it because I because that means he had to write this character, and then yeah. they, they, he gave the script to the people, and they were like, "We'll buy it." And then they had to go through casting, and they were like. 
And he's like, actually, um, I would like to play Kingpin myself, if that's yeah. If like, that's right. I'm, like, I'm the only person who could embody this character. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm the only one who can match my vision of this character. <laughs> uh, and, he, and he's got the craziest big old mohawk. He is scraggly and dirty. He's wearing like a torn sleeve. Like, he spits a dirty all the t-shirt. time. I know I was saying Anthony Mackie in this movie is over the top, but he, in his very concept, is over the top, and it's magical. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so Max Max and him talk shop, and he's like, you get 100 bucks for every round, and he's like, I'll take 300 Like, he talks, he plays, he, he, I gotta give Max credit here. He plays, he, he's a good negotiator. And he says, if your bot is left standing after one round, I'll pay you 1000 bucks. You get to fight my boy Metro, and, and Max is like, deal, I got this. And so we cut to the main zoo, which I'm guessing... Well, not the main zoo, but, like, the main pen where the robot fo- boxing takes place. And I'm guessing it was, like, a lion pen. Like, it's big, and there's it rocks everywhere. It's more like, like a giraffe pen, like an elephant pen. Oh, yeah, that would make sense now that I think about it. Because, yeah, there's, like, ramps up top where you could see down into it. Um, mm. So they're fighting a robot named Metro, who's adorable. I Metro's, love. Oh, Metro's a goofy boy robot. He's so cute. He's like an adorable little Frankenstein robot. He's got all these pots put parts put on him from other stuff. He's got like a he's got like a train thing, like the thing that shows the destination on a train or a bus, like in two different places. Yeah. He's got a sledgehammer for a hand. He's adorable. He's, he's, he's like he's asymmetrical. Like his colors mm. don't match. He's got this goofy lopsided like underbite grin. Yeah, to he's, him. he's got a little bit of goo dripping down his mouth. It's adorable. He even makes him. a noise like. Whoa. Yeah, he's so cute. <laughs> I love him. Um, and so. They prep the bo- they prep Adam and they just start going at it and we and Max is controlling not Charlie that's important because Max is like it's my robot you think he's just gonna lose anyway who cares just let me fight him and Max sucks dick at this apparently he's really bad like he Charlie's like nope you're doing everything wrong step back he's trying to pin Charlie's like kind of coaching him and Max is telling him to shut up they he only has to last a round which I think is like 60 seconds in movie time yeah it's just like, a, it's just a whole minute that's yeah a minute and so he kind of does okay he, I think I think he lands a couple punches and manages to duck some stuff when Charlie starts coaching him but then uh they get close to the end of the minute, and Charlie's like, oh my god, let me take control. And he's like, no, shut up, I got this. But then Metro has Adam in, like, a headlock, and he just, like, not opens his dome, and, like, Adam just, like, lays out, and and they start the count, and Max runs over to him, like, get up, Adam, get up! And we can see that it's uh, Max's belief in Adam that lets him get to his feet again. Well, like, it's the... There's a nice moment which will be mirrored later on because they do a, again they do a lot of mirroring between moments and the characters because earlier like Charlie's the one telling Max no take the easy bet and makes a little bit of money and then we can get out of here just like Max told my Crash Palace and now here Charlie's telling Max you realize you're talking to a robot right and he's yeah. just like I know like I don't care I'm tr- I believe in this thing yes and that will be mirrored later you're right so this is an important scene. And then he, Adam gets up on his feet, and Kingpin is like, "Oh, dang it!" And again, if you he's through this whole fight, Kingpin is just like, "Oh, oh, yeah, yeah!" And he's like, "Can we also talk about Kingpin's controller, which looks yeah. like a Yu-Gi-Oh dual disc?" It does. Oh my god, it is like a dual disc, kinda. He's got. It's, it's got just like, like this it's big like wrist-mounted control yeah, panel. He's got a joystick on. He's like... got a joystick on it, and he's like moving his arm with it. It's hilarious. I love it. It's great. Yeah. So he gets up, and the round ends, and then Kingpin's like, I'll tell you what, double or nothing, he can't go another round. And then Max is like, deal, and Charlie's like, 
kid, I need the money. What are you doing? And he's like, I know you need the money, so let's work. And so you think, okay, now they're going to work together a little bit. But then it just, in the next round, Adam just does his double uppercut thing and immediately Metro goes down. It's kind of anti Yeah, in one hit. Yeah. Like... I mean, it's dope seeing him do the raw punch up, but it's kind of like, okay, I thought you were building to something, but whatever, like, it's fine. I, yeah, it, I feel like, in retrospect, this fight could have lasted a bit longer. They do show a nice bit where, like, Max actually was listening to Charlie and he does step back to avoid the pin foot and then he does double uppercut, but it... Give it a couple more minutes, this fight, and it would have been a little bit better, in my opinion. Yes. But then Metro uh, goes down, and he starts hitting himself with... Well, he starts hitting himself with his own hammer. It's a systems failure. His whole thing is messed up. He starts hitting himself with his own hammer, and then bursts into flames and falls to the ground. And yet, <laughs> That's a sad end for Metro. <laughs> yeah, because I like Metro. He's cute, and he's in flames. And then they do the count on him anyway, and I was like... His, he exploded and his art and he's on fire. Do you really need to count? Like, okay. Hey, gotta believe in the bot. Like. Yeah, I guess. So they get their two thousand bucks and someone immediately offers them a fight for tomorrow night, I think, or Saturday or something. And so he's like, "All right, we'll be there." And then we cut to a motel that same night because they're spending their big old two thousand bucks on a hotel room, so they don't have to sleep in the truck. And there, and he's like calling Bailey. He's like, "Yeah, the kid won. Like, he's really into this bot fighting thing." And it's meant to be kind of emotional because he's, like, calling Bailey and telling him, like, our boy did it, Bailey. Yeah. <laughs> but then we cut to the next day, and uh, Max is sitting He's got sitting at a picnic bench outside the motel, and he's got the truck open. And he's, like, got papers, and he's wearing just a wife beater. And he's got Adam in shadow function mode, and they're doing, like, a little dance to the music, and it's really cute, and I like it. And uh, then... Charlie comes out and he's like what are you doing and he's like hey oh my gosh I did it it works it works and he's like what are you talking about he's like I took Noisy's voice recognition out and put it in uh, Adam so now you can say do the thing he was doing earlier where he's just like jab jab uppercut uppercut like that and that's how they'll control control Adam for the rest of the movie and it's pretty cool Um, but he says I need you to teach him how to box though and he's like what and he's like I had to wipe his slate clean to get this voice recognition in. You had to teach him how to box. And he's like, what? No, I'm, I haven't boxed in a long time. And he's like, no, you're good at this. You could tell in the Metro fight when he was going to do stuff. I need you to show him some boxing moves. And Charlie's like, I'll tell you what. Uh, I mean, I'm paraphrasing this, obviously, but this is basically how the scene goes. Uh, he says, I'll teach him how to box if you do that little dancing thing when we enter the rings. And he's like, what? And he's like, yeah, people like that. You, you need flair. Kids lo- people love kids. Blah, 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 blah. And he's like, fine, deal. And then we cut to early the next morning, and Charlie's teaching him how to box. And this is where we start to see Charlie bond with the robot. And it's pretty yes. cool. It's a pretty, it's a pretty good little scene where he's like showing him how to punch up. And stuff, and Charlie's got like a Rocky style uh, gray sweatshirt hoodie on as he's doing this. Yep. And like, there's these two scenes back to back, I think, when the heart in the movie kicks in finally. Yes, absolutely. Be- because like, it's the first good dad moment from Charlie the entire movie when he, he's not joking with Max and just trying to like tell him, oh, you do this humili- humiliating thing and I'll like teach your robot how to box. It's him telling him, no, seriously, like, the dance was actually pretty cool. People don't see that with these robots. You have character. You actually have a lot of personality and so does your robot. Show that. He's encouraging. It's like the same way a dad would, should encourage a kid to like do dancing or go to, or like act in a play or something. It's really yeah. nice. It's, it's cute. And then we cut to after he teaches show a couple scenes of him showing him how to box, we cut to the one thing every sports movie needs, 
Montage. Yes. <laughs> it's awesome. I believe it's set to an Eminem song. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. I think it's Till I Collapse. I can't. Don't quote me on that. Or that might be earlier in the movie. Um, but he, you see Adam go through and fight all these other robots. And Max and uh, Adam do their little dance at a couple of them. And again, because I'm a huge nerd about Real Steel, I know every single bot he fights. Uh, yep. I know, I know their, all of their names. He fights... Uh, stick shooter, mm-hmm. uh, oh blacktop, and I nice. th- and I think he fights. He's at the he's at a air uh, thing for the U.S. Air Force, which we don't see the robot, but there is a U.S. Air Force robot named Danger Zone that I'm assuming he fights. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, so they make a ton of money, and there's it's a whole montage of Adam winning, and also Charlie and Max growing kind of closer together and doing this together, and it's cute and it's nice. And, and Adam's so- like. Gaining a grassroots like uh, yeah, following, they, like on the radio and stuff. Yeah, right? they're listening to the radio and like being like, uh, "Did you hear about this bot out in the country named Adam? He's a, like a G two sparring bot, but he kicks so much ass, like it's really cool." And Charlie's making money now, and he sends some to Bailey that he sends money Bailey he owes Bailey so she can keep the gym open, and uh, it's just it's a cool little montage of not necessarily a, it's not a training montage it's like a advance the stories type montage but still don't it, montage. It, yeah it's 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 the road movie aspect to this whole film exactly so then we cut to him walking out of another fight them walking out of a different fight and a guy walks up he's like hey great fight how about uh this one i got another one for you and he's like wait and he looks at the card and he's like this is a league fight this is wrb and he's like yeah you ready to come up to the show gentlemen and they're just like hell yeah and they high five uh, how how far are we? You know, let's take a break and then we'll come back and talk about the first WR, WRB match. Sure, sounds good. Okay, see you in a minute, guys. Okay, so we cut inside the arena, and Charlie is like... It's kind of a funny scene where Charlie's just like, Max, I don't want you to freak out. I don't want you to freak out about this. This is an official league fight. I don't want you to freak out. Like, he's clearly freaking out and telling Max not to freak out. It's kind of funny. Um, And Max is working on the robot, which this is something I was going to bring up during during the training montage thing, but Max is just all of a sudden good at robots, and it's kind of confusing. Like, where did this come from? Because the first scene we get with, like, Max having understanding about robots is that he's a fan of the sport, which makes sense he's a kid. So it makes sense if he was, like, familiar with the history of the WRB, but he goes from that straight into, like, knowing how to program and Yeah, like, robot. it goes from him, like, oh, I'm a big fan of robot, you know, boxing, cool, and, you know, I know some Japanese because I play Japanese video games, okay, and now I know how to, like, program this entire setup for Adam. It's like, what? Like, when did you learn this? 
I feel like something was cut out. Like, it feels like there should have been a tutorial scene with Bailey just showing him, like, the basics of management. Because it looks like Max mostly just handles the very bare minimum of, like, setup and, like, repairs in between matches. Yeah, switching him to fight mode and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. But but I just find it very odd that, like, he's shown no evidence of being able to do that. And then all of a sudden, he's, yeah, like, the best Yeah, they've shown him, like, like, being just a kid who wants to do, like, engineering or programming. That would make more sense. But, yeah, he becomes Boy Wonder suddenly. A little bit. But so they're in backstage at this big, lavish arena. And then this guy comes over. He's like, you've been invited to Zeus's suite. Like, you marry... Uh, Lankova wants to meet with you, and they're like, oh, okay, let's just go up to the champion suite, like, sarcastic about it. And so they go and sit oh, down. Oh, you're forgetting this part with Adam. Because oh, yeah. they have it's... hinted at previously just bonding scenes between uh, Max and Adam when he initially boots him up, and, like, there's some deeper consciousness that doesn't really have an ego or control over itself. That That's why I kind of want to... That's kind of why I was kind of skipping those scenes. Not because they're not important, but the fact is the movie kind of doesn't do anything No. Like, it's never really resolved, but I just... That's something that this movie could have covered a lot better. It's front and center. You can't avoid it like the last one, because it's Adam looking at himself in a mirror, and they linger on this shot for a while and even have a close-up on Adam's face where you finally see, like... That scratch mark you mentioned before, which looks like a smile, like mm-hmm. where he's just kind of like, "Am I human?" Yeah, exactly. Like, like what, am what, I real? Yeah, what is life? Am robots like? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 weird, and I would talk about it if the movie actually thought that was I, important, but kind of yeah. Doesn't. But whatever. So Lamkova calls them up to the suite because she wants to buy Adam. She's offering to pay $200,000 for him. And Charlie's immediately like, yes, 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 yes. I want that money. (laughs) And Max is like, nope, not for sale. And Charlie's like, what? And he's like, not for sale. And Charlie, Max leaves and he's like, give me a second. And she says, my offer's good until the starting bell of your fight. And they talk in the hall and he's like, kid, it's $200,000. I like, do you realize what we can do with that money? And by we, he means Mm -hmm. he, because he still has Mm -hmm. all these debts to all these people. Um, And he's like... He's the reason they want to buy him is because he can do things no other robot can. You taught him how to box. That's like unique. They that's why they're they're scared of him, which is kind of a big assumption. But whatever. He's a kid. He you know he thinks big, but yeah. also also in the grand scheme of things, like practically with the fight purses, they're like you're earning two hundred grand is like maybe two months worth of fights. It's not like at least two months worth of big fights. It's not a huge amount of money in the grand scheme of things, and it shows that Charlie just doesn't have any foresight like he doesn't have any big term long down the road plans he just gets blinded by big lump sums yeah charlie that's an important thing you're pointing out charlie and really does not want to like rise to the top and become the wrb champion or he does or have a robot that does that he just wants to make money that's really his big motivation because he has all these outstanding debts max is the one who wants who thinks his robot can go all the way yeah so max is just like again this is a moment where they flip the parent child relationship where he's just like charlie we can go round and round about this all night long we're not selling him and charlie's just like fine so they go to prepare for the fight and uh they bring twin city they show the robot they're going to be fighting whose name is twin cities which uh he's called that because he has two heads yep um i don't it's great i i don't know if he's is is there supposed to be about i don't know he's got two heads that's why it's twin cities max does this his dancing entrance into the arena and it's adorable i really like it it's great yeah, I, love I love it cut to bailey who's watching this fight from a bar and i have a question is she on a date 
I don't know, because, like, we were discussing this, like, me and my friends who were watching this last night, of, like, okay, either this guy has been trying to hit on her all night and just yes, no avail. Yes, right? That's or... exactly, there's a guy right to her, on her right, who's clearly, like, looking at her, like, I couldn't tell if they're on a date. Well, he brings her a drink. That's true, he does bring her a drink. So either she's just there to get, like, a beer, like, she was just there to watch the fight, and then this guy was like, hey, can I buy you a drink? But also, but the thing is, she's wearing, like, kind of a nice dress, and she has her hair all did. And so I kind of think she was going yeah. on a date with this guy. And she just kind of blows I, him off to watch boxing. I kind of want to believe Bailey isn't that mean. I want to imagine she came to a bar to, like, find a date or, like, just, you know, find a guy to go, you know, go home with at night. That's fair enough. And then it ended up with the fact that the fight is on the TV. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm that, possibly. Well, I'm, I'm just saying I don't think that she's mean, like, just using a guy to get... No, no, I'm no, just no. saying, like, I think uh, she was like, yeah, let's go out to this bar... And watch the fight, and then she just gets so into the fight that she doesn't talk to the yeah, guy. Yeah, and I, I feel bad for this guy a little bit, because, yeah. like, there's nothing about him that seems, like, bad or sleazy or anything. He just, he buys her a drink, and then it's just, like, he's just kind of stuck watching her be excited about this fight. Yeah, that's, it's, it's kind of weird. But, so, but we'll cut back to her a bunch of times during this fight, to her, like, yelling advice at the TV, like, my dad does when he watches football. Which I do when I'm watching sports. <laughs> <laughs> Those are so, di- the similar concept, but on such different ends of a spectrum. Listen, <laughs> sometimes I'm yelling, I'm sometimes yelling defense to, like, my, no, I know. like, I, anime high school volleyball no, I team. I get it, like... but I just think it's so funny to think of my 57-year-old father sitting on a couch, just being like, goddamn Raiders, like, run a pe- pass play or something, and then just watching thinking about you sitting at your computers be like defense haiku come on like yeah yeah come on karasuno you can beat your torizawa come on (laughs) so the fight starts and uh adam's kind of holding his own at first but twin cities just starts like pummeling him into the corner and charlie's freaking out he's like the thing's got like a foot of reach on us and he's gigantic like this isn't going well and then he starts to notice whenever he punches right he's got a hitch in his shoulder there's an audible, oh, yeah. there's an audible like sound whenever that happens, and he's like, there's, he's got to tell, he's got to tell, he's got a hitch in his shoulder, and Max likes, what does that mean? He's like, it means we got him, and then they will go on through the rest of the fight with that hitch playing no role, basically. It, it's really loose, like it's... yeah, he acts like that's the key to winning this match, which made me think like he was gonna uppercut during that hitch and then chop his arm off, which would have been awesome. I, w- I would have almost preferred if they like run circles around and completely confuse the two, because that's how you defeat a two-headed enemy. Like that's the classic defense. Yeah, they just kind of win by just Charlie, you know, doing the char- doing his boxing, being like, give him the Charlie special, one, two to the body, uppercut, like, but still, mm-hmm. it's a fun fight. It's a good fight. Oh, no, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's very entertaining. Yeah, so they take out Twin Cities with a big uppercut, and the it's actually really satisfying to cut to the people controlling Twin Cities just being like, no! My robot! Yeah, <laughs> they're throwing a tantrum. Like, they are sc- yeah. like, not even screaming words, just screaming. And it's yeah. like, okay, buddy, like, I've seen people lose MOBA matches before by oh jeez <laughs> like it's it's pretty great and so then uh the, the mic comes down and the announcer's like winner by knockout it's at and then Max steals the mic and he's like how do you like that we showed him and then again apparently cockiness runs in the family because he starts talking mm-hmm. some mad shit about uh his own robot he's like what did you think? We could do. We could do anything. We want a shot at the title. We want Zeus, and he's like, yeah. "We will 
Beat him! It's like screaming into the microphone. And Charlie's just like, okay, put the microphone away. We're done. And then the audience is like freaking out, like screaming, Adam, Adam. And like Morella Kova and Takmashito are up in like the booth just being like, hmm, hmm, and scowling. And They're very good at scowling. They pick good actors for scowling. That's true. That's the thing. They're the, they're the villains of this movie, but they don't really do anything evil or wrong they're just kind of the people who own the champion robot and are kind of jerks well i mean it's the most believably like evil characters in like an organized sport which is they just have a lot of money but i guess the whole thing of like hey we want to buy your robot for our for our robot to beat up in you know in private that kind of is messed up yeah that's fair so they won they get paid their I, they don't really say how much money they get paid, but they get paid, a, a, I'm assuming, a good amount of money. Mm-hmm. And they're going, packing up the truck. And, hey, listeners, do you remember Ricky, the annoying Texan from earlier? Guess what? He decides to become relevant again. And, mm-hmm. yeah, and he shows up. And I do, I got to give him credit. His re-entrance into the film and the plot is great where he just goes, Charlie boy. Uh, like, like yeah. it's it's kind of, it's, it's pretty good. And then, like, he has these other goons, like, they made, like, a staggered entrance to come in, like, to, mm-hmm. like, intimidate Charlie. And he's like, hey, actually, yo, I got your money. It's fine. It's in the truck. Here. One of us carrying a pipe, by yeah. the way. They mean business. Absolutely. And they're very threatening. And he's like, yeah, I got your money. Don't worry about it. I've been making all this money fighting robots. And he's like, oh, Charlie, this is about so much more than money now. I told you, I'm going to beat you within the inch of your life. And he's like, look, I got your money. And then he reaches back. And he just immediately socks one of them, and the he and Max start running. And he and uh, these thugs. This is probably the second most upsetting scene in the movie, aside from the bullfight earlier. Yeah, because these thugs gets... are totally okay with hurting a child. Well, like at first they restrain Max, and like Max kicks back, but then they just throw Max to the ground. I don't even your child to the ground. Yeah, it's not great. And, and then they stop beating up his dad in front of him. They like, do do that. And Charlie fights them at first, but then once they hurt Max, he goes like Hulk Oh, rampage. he fucking lets loose for a short moment. Yeah, like, he like goes back to legit being a boxer and takes a couple of them out, but still he gets outnumbered. And they take all of their money that they had won from that night. And Ricky comes down to Max and he's like, your, your friend is a real deadbeat. And he goes, that's my father. And he's just like, well... Then I'll beat you with just within an inch of your life. Because he's got a kid, I guess? Because I, I yeah, don't know. Like it, oh, I hate Ricky so much. Yeah, you're, well, you're supposed to hate Ricky. That's the point. I mean, yeah, you're supposed to, but they do a really good job of making you hate Ricky. Yeah, they don't even do like a thing like Biff in Back to the Future where you love to hate him. You just hate this guy. He's the mm-hmm. worst. Um, so Charlie is b- destroyed. He's got like bleeding from the head and probably from a bunch of other places. Uh, Max is Max isn't like hurt super, but he's been, he's been roughed up pretty well. And so Charlie realizes that as much as he loves Max, he can't let his let him do this anymore. And he tries to. And so I I don't know if this is supposed to be the end of the summer already. Like it's been the two months, or like mm-hmm. uh, he just called them. But he tries to give them to give Max to his aunt and uncle. And he's like, what? You're just going to give me over to them after we had all this amazing summer? Like, I just want to stay with you. I want to fight bots. I want to blah, 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 blah. And he's like, listen, kid, we can't. Like, you you can have a better life. And, like, he's weirdly kind of stoic about it. But eventually he just does say to Max, because Max isn't talking to anybody. He's furious. And he says to Max, you deserve better than me. Which is, like, again, is one of those points where the movie is just like, hey, we're going to try and do something kind of sweet. And they bid lands. And Max has a makes a good point to Charlie where like you know Charlie's like asking what does he even want and Max just makes a point of saying 
I want you to actually fight for me. Like, you, you gave up on me, you sold me, you tried to, like, persuade me out of all this stuff, but you never actually, like, believed in me or fought for me. Very good point. And he, uh, there's, then there's a little short montage of him traveling back to Texas, where he, they, he's, like, doing everything they would used to do together, but sadly, because he's not there anymore, and he looks over at, like, the empty seat where Max would sit, and he's very sad. He's filling the truck up with gas, and he's very sad. And it's a very solemn little <laughs> montage. And then he shows up at Talon's gym, and this is a creepy as hell scene right out of nowhere. Okay, yeah, I, <laughs> like, oh, it's, uh, I'll say this. I'm glad it doesn't go any further in the scene, and I think if you actually get rid of this scene, you don't lose much, because the next scene conveys exactly what you need to, but better. You're 100% right. Cause but Char- yeah, so... Char- yeah, Charlie shows up at Tal's gym, and just apparently Bailey lives in this gym, I guess, and, yeah. she- and she's sleeping in a bed, it's nighttime, and mm-hmm. Charlie's just like, hey... This girl that I kind of had a thing with once is sleeping. I'm just going to walk right up to this bed and lay down next to her and, like, hold her that she doesn't... She's not expecting him in any way, shape, or form. No! He just kind of... Well, we don't know that. We don't know that. That's the thing. Like, they don't... The problem is they don't convey enough information to the audience. Yeah, he's he's going into a sleeping woman's bed unannounced, as far as we know. And she she kind of wakes up for a second and feels him there and doesn't even look over to make sure it's Charlie. She's just like, oh, someone's holding me. It must be Charlie. Bitch, you don't know that. There are crazy people in this world. Someone could have broken into your house. It's it's also just the case where, like, okay, A, I do like that this is not really sexual. It comes off more as, like, Charlie just needs comfort. You're honey, yes, absolutely. It's not a sexual thing. It doesn't feel, there's, really, this scene is devoid of sexuality. Right. You'd think it's not like he's some. shirtless. It's not like she's in like sexy like negligee or anything. She's just sleeping in bed, and he just comes in like in his t-shirt and jeans and just lies down next to her. And Which, like, if you sleep in jeans, you're a monster. But go on. Oh, you should talk to my boyfriend. Oh, oh no. <laughs> he doesn't see a problem with that, and I need a I need to fix that. But um, oh god. But like, and this would be a whole other thing if they'd made it a lot more concrete earlier that either. A, she knew he was coming, that she would be arriving that night, or B, yeah. that they were actually, that they've reignited their fling, that this wasn't just, you know, a flirtatious, you know, friendship. But, yeah, you, it's, even if you have, like, a close female friend and you're a guy, yeah. you don't do that unannounced. You don't slip into mm-hmm. their bed and hug no. them. Like, no. Jules, like, we, Jules, we should just do a recut of this movie where we cut out the bullfighting scene, yep. do, do some editing on the kid getting shit-stomped, and then Damon just cut the scene where he creepily gets in bed with her and call it yeah. Real, Real Steel or Redacted. Uh, yeah, it's like <laughs> Rebuild or Re-Steel. Like. <laughs> um... Yeah, it's 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 weird and creepy, but it it's not as weird and creepy but, as you think it is. But like I said, the next scene conveys exactly yes. what this scene does, but so much better and a lot more in a lot more articulate manner, in a lot more like obvious way that lets the audience know, hey, they're now reigniting what they previously hinted at before, and there's more consent involved. Yes. Because they wake up the next morning and she's sitting on like a rooftop patio and he comes out and they're talking about how sad that they both are that Max isn't with them anymore. And she's and she basically inspires him to go get 
Max, basically. And then they start just making out. Yeah, it shows that Charlie's also starting to, like, fight for what he wants now. Yes. So, he, speaking of which, he goes to Deborah's dope-ass mansion and is uh-huh. like... And Max opens the door immediately and he's like, Hey, listen, I know you're pissed at me and I messed up, but, like... I'm your dad, and I know you lost your mom. Which, by the way, is like the only time in the movie anyone actually says, hey, I'm sorry you lost your mom. Well, they really don't talk about his grief after this life-scarring event. Yeah, it's kind of weird they don't ever bring them up. It's not, Jules, to be honest, it's not hugely important to this story. Jules, but you, Jules just say it with me. There's, there's more, more here. here. So yeah, he acknowledges that his mom's dead and apologizes, and the, de- the aunt comes in, and it's just like, Charlie, what are you doing here? You have no right to be here. He's like, yeah, Deb, look, I know you hate me and you have full custody. The kid's yours. I get it. But I'm just trying to do some right by my son. So please let me have this. And she's like, all right, fine. Which she's really immediately accepting of, but fine. I think they cut to Deborah a lot and they show a facial expression. And there's moments of recognition where you almost feel like this is the first time she's ever heard Charlie apologize. That is true. She does. She can kind of sense that he's changed a little bit. And he's and, and yeah, he, 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 he even looks again, Hugh Jackman being amazing in this movie. He even looks just like, yeah, I know I screwed up really bad and I'm just trying to. Yeah. I get it. And he doesn't do it in a manipulative way. No, this isn't no, like no. a wordy apology to earn favor. This is like, hey, I'm really sorry I'm giving you a choice in this because I want to do what you want to yeah, do. Yeah, and there's a great there's a great line where after Deborah comes in, he's like, and she's like, yeah, you can talk to him. And he just goes, okay, where were we? And he, and he, she, he just goes, you sold me. He's like, yeah, I did do that. And she's like, what? <laughs> yeah, and he's like, and, and you know, we both got beaten up. Yup. And like, she's, you just yeah. see, go, wait, what? What happened? <laughs> yeah. What happened? Like, and he's like, but I, but I want to keep doing things with you. And then he just takes a step to the side, and Adam is just standing in the street, which I find it hard to believe he couldn't see him standing in the street, but whatever. And he just goes, we got the Zeus fight, and I'm not doing this without you. It's also, it's Adam surrounded by neighborhood kids, yeah. which I Yeah, love. they're just like, whoa. Um, and so he looks at Deborah and it's like, and she goes, one night, you can have him for the one night. And he's like, thank you, that's all we need. Let's do this, baby. And so cut to immediately the night of the fight, Everyone's going crazy. Weirdly, uh, we cut to some announcers, and weirdly, one of them is Phil Lamar, who I don't know why or how, but okay. Like, God, I Phil Lamar just gets work wherever he goes. I mean, he's Phil Lamar. He can do... Of course he does. He's, he's wonderful. Yeah, for audiences who don't know Phil Lamar, if you have listened to any cartoon with a major black character in it, that's Phil Lamar. Yeah, he's, I believe, probably the most, one of the most popular is Hermes Conrad. Is He's, he's that, right? Yep, he, uh, he's, he plays Static Shock. He plays Green Lantern in the DC Oh, God, he universe. does love... He does play Static Shock. I love Static Shock. So Phil Lamar is an announcer for no goddamn reason, but he's he, he's got a great voice because he's a voice he actor. Has a, he has a good boxing announcer voice. Yeah, and they're talking about how this is this movie gets a lot of comparisons to Rocky, which mm-hmm. it's not undue, but it is kind of a different story where Rocky is just about proving to himself and to the woman he loves and to the city of Philadelphia that he can go the distance, he's not just a bum, where this is just more like your basic underdog story. Yeah, this is a very classic story, and it's... Like I said to you before off the air, like this is very by the numbers, but the charm is just oozing yeah. from every possible place. Absolutely. And the, but the reason it's, it gets a rocky comparison is because the champion is letting a nobody like like just fight him out of turn. Like he would this fight would never happen otherwise. Yeah, exactly. So they're talking about Adam and how odds are astronomically low that Adam can even gonna survive in this ring. And Finn is outside taking bets from like a crowd of people 
And sure enough, that asshole Ricky comes up and is like, I bet you 100000 bucks. Adam can't see past round one. And he's like, you got that kind of money? And he's like, I'll tell you what. Here's my seat number. Bring my, my money right to my seat. And he's like, how's that sound, homie? Because apparently he decides to be racist towards the end of the movie. Well, for- like, it's not... It's not inherently racist at first when he calls him homie, because just, no, like, even just Finn's just like, oh, okay, you're trying to, like, you're trying to talk the talk, whatever. It's when he then goes, like, yeah, it sounds good, homeboy. And it's like, yeah. and oh, he... you've just completely screwed up. Yeah, because I think even Finn calls him, like, partner or something as a joke. So, yeah, like, it's... He, re- he reposts with ho- uh, homie, and he's homie. like, It's like, oh, okay, like, yeah, Finn and then he just goes, And then he just goes, homeboy! And then Finn just, his expression changes, and it's oh, just like, oh, you screwed up. Yeah, it's a good moment, because I've, as a Chinese person, I've had similar moments. I'm just like, okay, okay, we're really doing this now, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Adam and Charlie walk into the the building, and Max just looks at Charlie and is just like, we can't win, can we? And And Charlie just goes, we'll see, which is a weird, again, it's kind of a thing where they reverse the parent and the kid motif uh routine into being like the one who believes in adam and the one who doesn't like i don't know why max suddenly lost his faith a little bit but charlie's just like you know what we'll i mean he's, he spent a little bit of time away like the luster has worn off the adrenaline's died down so i imagine he's max is a little bit more level-headed here but yeah that's a good charlie's point. really got he wants to show max that he has faith now yeah that's a great great way to put it so they walk into the ring. They don't get... Did, I'm kind of bummed that they don't get a cool entrance. They just kind of walk in the ring and set up shop. And they I don't, think it really... It, it shows, again, like, the disparity between what kind of fight this is. Yeah. And then the guy just comes over the loudspeaker just being like, presenting the ruler of this universe and any other universe. <laughs> and, like, really over the top. Like, yeah, we're not exaggerating here, folks. If you've not watched the movie, he literally says, you know, the master of this universe and any other known and unknown universe yeah. is like, okay. Which, uh, also, this, I don't know, I think they says this during the Twin Cities fight, but I forgot to bring it up. This movie does not make the most obvious joke in the world, and it furiates me. He, Which they, one? They say, um, at one point, and our contender, hailing from parts unknown, Adam. And the obvious joke to make, it's right there, folks, is both hailing from and built of parts unknown. That's, I, how have I not pieced that together? It's That's really, right, it's right how did they not make that joke? It's right there, the parts unknown joke. It's, it's oh, wordplay, oh, it's so good. They really should, hmm. Like, I, I'm guessing they already, that's already in their head what the wordplay was of hailing from parts unknown, but it should have been also, like you said, hailing from and built from parts unknown is really good. It's, it's so good. It's right there. And it, also because Adam is a bot that no one understands why he's able to do, so it kind of makes sense. Yeah, but- just... He's he's this mysterious bot from nowhere, and I love it. Yeah, he's it's great. Um, but so Zeus comes down uh, the, the walkway with his arms, like, outstretched, just like a haunting silhouette, and then he like Hulk style jumps into the ring, and it's really cool. It's even so... to the point where Charlie has to go. Okay, that was pretty awesome. Like, yeah, credit and where he... credit's due. There's a reason he's the champ. Absolutely, and he it's a cool little scene, and uh, they start the fight. And I believe the guy we finally get the official title drop where he goes because they've said it a bunch in this movie, but they finally say it with real aplomb. We're like, are you ready for some? Real steel! And it's really gets you pumped up to watch this fight. It really does. It's really good. And the fight starts, and immediately Adam gets laid the hell out. He hits the floor, and everyone's just like, yep, 
This was pretty expected. Not a mm-hmm. big surprise. Just straight up, just deck to the face on the mat. On the mat. And then, but again, they get, they, like, they're taught, and he's got the headset and everything, and they're talking to him, and you see Max just, like, pounding the flat canvas, just being like, get up, Adam, get up, get up! And then Adam's lights flicker on, and he stands up, and they're just like, whoa, this is crazy that this is happening. I can't believe he got up. And then they go back into the fight, and again, Zeus is just, like, pummeling him. And then I don't think, I don't think he knocks him down immediately again, right? No, it is within the, like, they even say, and he's down again within the next 10 seconds. Yeah, like. he gets, like, he gets knocked around just immediately. But then he gets up again, and everyone's just like, what is going on? He keeps getting up. He won't co- not get knocked down. And then Zeus just keeps, like, pummeling him with his Gatling gun fists. And then Adam, I mean, Charlie's just like, he can't survive this. He can't. And he's like, you gotta do something, Charlie. And Charlie just goes, right cross! And then Adam just decks Zeus right in the face. And everyone in the audience just goes, Because, <gasps> like, this is the champ. He's yeah, been he's untouched. A, he's been, he managed to land. He's like, Adam has landed a punch! And everyone's just like, oh my gosh, I can't see, I can't believe this. And then, like, Adam advances and he gets a couple more right cross is in but like Zeus just resumes he just gets knocked he just gets knocked out like continually just pummeled it's crazy the amount of damage and you can see again the effects in this movie are so good you can see the damage on Adam just start to pile up on like his yeah, chest yeah like region. it's just a few dents and then it's more dense and there's steam rising out of him like yeah and so uh he at Zeus just knocks him like into the corner and then he gets this all wound up for like this big old move where he like charges up his fists all the way and then the bell rings and he has made it past round one. Um, and he's, but Adam is wrecked. He's steaming. He's sprawled he's, out on the rope. He's literally hanging off the rope. Yeah. Like, arms, like, yeah. And so they go over and they start fixing him up and we see Ricky's finally getting his comeuppance because Finn and the goons come to his seat and like to collect the $100,000 bet. And he's just like, Oh, we got to get out of here. And he tries to run, but he can't run. And he's just escorted out and we don't see what happens to Ricky, but we can imagine he gets the same treatment that he gave to Charlie. Yes, or he's dead. I'm down with either. Um, I'm honestly, yes, yeah, same. Yes. What, whatever, as long as Ricky ends up at the bottom, I'm okay with that. Yes, he also was took part in some very bad animal cruelty, so you know what? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I, I hope yeah. he's dead. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so then we do, they do uh, the Rocky thing where they uh, just kind of show you a montage of the in-between rounds, and they cut right to the end of the fourth round which by the way quick side note about the the montage one uh again there's a there's lore here moment where mm-hmm. the title card girl is dressed like a character out of tron basically like, like she's sexy got sexy tron yeah like. she's got like circuitry all over her but she's not like nearly as scantily clad as the title as the card girls generally are but she's got like more clothes on but she looks like futuristic-y and it's really weird yeah like her nowhere. head is like covered in like a futuristic headpiece and the title card is like a hologram yeah and it says hp on it there's like product placement all up in this bitch yeah. like it's everywhere and it's but it's, just, it's a really weird thing where you see it and you're just like wait was that was that supposed to be the card girl why is she oh no there she is again uh, why is she yeah, like okay that? Huh. Um, also, at one point, you get to see uh, Zeus throw Adam, and you get to get a weird, really weird shot of Adam's butt because it's <laughs> like uh, we've been talking a lot about Marvel in this episode. One of the big problems I had with Ultron in Age of Ultron was that he had a butt, 
Like, robots don't need butts, Hollywood. Stop giving oh, robots Oh, I don't know butts. about that. <laughs> okay. I, 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 actually, wait. I don't know how to defend this to you. Yeah, you're like, you, I'm sorry. You're coming I, up against, like, I, do you want my dissertation? Yeah, that's the thing. If I was arguing with anybody else, I would feel very confident going to this argument. But, damn it, Jules, I don't know how I can beat you on this. Look, it makes me uncomfortable, okay? I don't like seeing a robot ass. It's weird. It just makes, We should investigate this at some point, then. Uh, <laughs> <sighs> and, but also, the fact his butt doesn't look good. It's like two little hubcaps, almost. And it doesn't, it just, it doesn't fit... That it just like juts out. I'm not gonna shame a robot body. I'm not like... shaming him. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm questioning the character design. I'm not shaming Adam. Okay, that's fair. I'm with you on that. A lot. Look, listen. There are many robot butts in this world, but there are not many good robot butts. Okay, uh, th- I, we can agree. We can come to a compromise on that because I know mm-hmm. you. Because I know you're the queen of robot butts because you put them together for fun. Uh, so, uh, oh god, I lost the plot because I've just. <laughs> I'm angry about how badly that went for me. Um, <laughs> right, so they cut to the end of the fourth round, and Zeus lands a big hit right on Adam's dome, and you see Adam is disoriented, kind of. Like, I mean, that's kind of weird to describe a robot, but he's you see it from his perspective, and he can't hear anything. It's kind of like a flashbang just went off. Well, it's like it's the same way in any boxing movie when the char- the main the protagonist gets hit, and it just feels like they've got a slight concussion, and yeah. it's... It sounds like his ears are ringing, but it's just his circuitry is, like, whirring up and, like, cycling up and down. It's a really cool effect, honestly. It is, yeah, but the the point of it is, is that um, he busted the voice chip in his head or something, and he can yeah. no longer hear Charlie's commands. So Zeus gets in a bunch of more hits when he's just vulnerable before the round ends. And then Charlie's just like, that's it, Max, he's done. He can't do anything anymore. He can't hear me. And Max is like, we're not done yet. Uh, he's like, what do you mean? He's like, I'm putting him in shadow mode. He's like, shadow mode? He's like, what are you talking about? He can't hear me. He's like, yes, but he can see you. And he's like, what? He's like, you've got to fight the last round. And this is, like, the dopest part of the whole movie. Yep, this is, oh, this this is so good. He puts Adam in shadow mode and tells him, you've got, you, he can't understand commands. You'll, with the shadow mode, he'll be faster. He'll be even better with just the shadow mode. And he's like, I can't do this. He's like, look at Lankova. They're freaking out over there that Adam has lasted this this long. Like, he's doing things no other robot can. And I know you can do those things too. And he's just like, Ugh. and Max gives him like this look. And he's just like, oh, come on, kid. You gotta look at me with those eyes. And blah, 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 blah. And it's like a cute little moment. And he takes his jacket off really dramatically. And he flips into shadow mode. And he looks at Adam. And he has that moment that you were talking about earlier where he's just like, I know you're in there. And I know you can't hear me, but you can see me. And, and Max just goes, you know you're talking to a robot, right? And he's like, I know. <laughs> yeah. <Shut up." laughs> it's a good moment it's where, a, like, a- he goes, just watch me and like he's pointing at adam and then pointing yeah. at, his, at himself and adam's it's, mimicking him it's a good it's so it's good. a nice it's moment so it's so good and then the ref comes over too and is like kenton let's go and he's like ref give yeah. me a minute <laughs> and it's any then he does the little thing and i love it it's so so good so he goes in to the fifth and final round it's only like a five round exhibition and you see charlie walking up on the ring and, uh, oh, by the way, we didn't mention, but Bailey's there. And Bailey gets, like, the idea, like, starts noticing, like, what's Charlie doing? Oh, wait. And so they, st- Zeus and Adam start going at it. And it's obvious that 
uh, Charlie's controlling, and then even Phil Lamar and his whoever, whoever the other announcer are is like, Adam is Adam must have a shadow function. Charlie Kenton is fighting the last round, and he kind of starts doing some punch and blocking and stuff, but then he kind of figures out what to do, and so he just lets he just takes all the punishment Zeus has. Um, Tak Machido is furious at still that Zeus has gone on, uh, that Adam has gone on this long and is like supervising the controls himself to make sure Zeus wins. And so Adam is taking all the punishment while Max is just like, Charlie, do something. He's like, not yet, kid, not yet. And it's just like, you can tell he's got something up his sleeve. And then Bailey's like, yeah, come on, Charlie, not yet. And he starts taking the punch. He's still taking the punches. And then Zeus backs off for a second. And then, uh, and then uh, Charlie just has him do like the come on gesture yep, with his hands. Yeah, it's so good. And it's so good. And then like Zeus, and then Takamashi was like, put him into overdrive. And so just starts pummeling him with blows to the body. And then you start to see Zeus slow down a little bit. And then we learn that Charlie's whole plan was to drain Zeus's power core by taking so much dan- like taking so much punishment that he would be out of power. And he just looks at Max and he just goes, "Hey, kid, huh?" now and then he decks zeus right in the face and it's an amazing moment there's such an amazing shot where he gets out of the corner and he does a jump in the air and jump punch punch, jump punch jump punch it's so good because he literally you see charlie just like jump his both of his legs like the air jordan logo almost where both of his legs are like outward and he just decks zeus right in the face and bailey's like come on don't give him any room to breathe get in there and like even when zeus's uh energy core replenishes a little little bit you know just Charlie doesn't give him any room he starts going to town on the body and the head takes him out and also the rich aunt Deborah and Marvin are there and even Deborah's like knock that bitch bot out and it's great and oh it's so good and Adam fin- and they finally land one big punch and Zeus goes down for the first time in his t- entire career the arena goes insane and it's they, they awesome. replay it on the big screen like just this tight of a bot just like arms by its side collapsing face first into to the mat, no bones about it. They knocked Zeus down at least for a few seconds. And at first, and again, this is a rocky comparison because the mm-hmm. big thing with Apollo Creed was that no one's ever knocked down Apollo Creed, and that was Rocky did that in like the first like round, I think, and it was a big deal. Uh, Zeus does get up, but Charlie just gets right back in there and starts just landing blow after blow after blow until the at bell. this point, like. Talk Machine has ripped the yeah. original pilot I've ever seen, he's, and he switches it to, like, manual. Like, he hits a big red button that says yeah. manual, and, and he takes the joysticks and starts, go- like, getting in on the action. And it's yeah. just... It's so good, guys. Because it's, like, it, it's a nice, weird, like, dichotomy between, you know, Charlie controlling Adam with his body and Talk Machine controlling from just a console with, uh, you know, joysticks and buttons, and... Mm-hmm. Oh, it's such a good moment. And then we get this really really nice scene where everything uh-huh. slows down for a bit the music um goes like enters a quiet moment and we don't see max watching the fight he's now watching charlie his dad get yeah. the box and it's just like he like smiles and he's just like yeah my dad and i think I, you we cut, cut to like do we cut, we to, cut bailey? to like bailey yeah, yeah. Cut to bailey. and she sees it too and she's like this is the guy that i fell in love with the guy who believes in himself and is willing to fight for the things he believes in and they both shed a couple of tears over, like, mm-hmm. they're seeing this guy who, like, they've only seen in, like, newspaper clippings, or Bailey only remembers him from the past, and now he's back. Like, yeah. this and is who Charlie actually is. Yeah, after we saw him at his absolute worst in the beginning of the movie, Charlie Kenton comes in as the hero in the final round, and it's amazing. It's, it's such a... F- like, it's honestly, like, a nice 
frankly beautiful moment in that movie. Like it's, it's touching, and so he's got Adam's got Zeus right, right, dead to rights, right before he's about to knock him down again, and the bell rings, and he, and even the announcer's like, "Oh my God, the champion's saved by the bell! This is incredible!" And so there's like, for, for the first time in Zeus's entire career, we're gonna go to a decision, and blah blah blah, and it's just the crowd's going crazy. And my God, is this a good scene? It's so good. I can't. I feel like I'm, all I'm saying is how good this is, but it's true. It just you get so wrapped up in the emotion of it. This is yeah. It's like any scene in any sports movie or TV show. Like you can't describe that final yeah. set or match or round. You have to watch it. Like yeah, I was and I was gonna say, guys, go on YouTube, watch the fight between Adam and Zeus. But no, you should watch the entire movie first if you've never seen this. Everything comes together in this fight, and you don't. Like, you need the context to really get the impact. Yeah, when you've seen the whole movie, go watch the scene on its own. That's fair enough. But I would never recommend someone just watch this fight on its own. Because yeah. it, it doesn't like it's cool as heck still, but in a, in a vacuum. But with everything else, like you said, the context it just builds up to this incredible moment. In case you haven't caught on to this, I know we're biased because we like this movie, but watch Real Steel, everyone, please do. Watch Real Steel. Like Real Steel is real good. Buy it on Blu-ray so they'll think. Oh, it's on Netflix. Want... Oh, it like, is on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Oh, I just own it. Um, but, <laughs> but so they go to a decision, and the ring has been flooded, and I and then they just the announcer goes, "Ladies and gentlemen, we have a winner for this, and the still still remaining champion." Zeus and Charlie and Max are just like, <laughs> uh, yeah, like they kind of expected it because like, yeah, uh, they knew it was a five round match, but this is the first time that a Zeus match has ever gone to the judges cards. Like they yeah. need to go to the average score rather than actually uh-huh. deciding by knockout. Yeah. And they ask for all what she thinks. And she's like, it took a little longer. What is her accent? By the way, the result is the same. Zeus won as he always will. And people are booing her because like, it's just because they know that Zeus basically didn't win, which they say, they ask Top Mashido, they say, Mr. Mashido, people would say that your bot won the decision, but he didn't win the fight. Like, if Zeus, if Adam had had, a, like, a minute or two more, he would have won. What do you say? And Mashido just storms out because he's furious. He just, like, like he scowls again, again. There's such a good moment where he doesn't, like, he holds the mic to Top Mashido, and the only thing you hear is just... Yes. Yeah, he just breathes in the mic and just storms off. Like, yeah. no, no comment. It's, uh, again, yeah, no, Hugh Jackman turns to Max and just goes, no comment, and it's yeah. great. And, like, they go, and then they go up to Max, and they're like, kid, people are already calling your bot. They're already, like, looking at you as an amazing underground story, and they're calling you the people's champion. What do you have to say? And he just goes, people's champion? <laughs> Sounds pretty good to me. And everyone's like, yeah! It's great. The, the point to any sports movie is not about winning gold or coming first. It's just about winning. Like, it's not about, like, the award at the end. It's not about, like... Whatever your definition of victory is to you is what's important. Exactly, yeah. That's that's a great way of putting it. Like, yeah. it's, it's your own... It's about your own personal victory. Yeah, because they, they wanted to show that Adam was um, a special robot and it's not all about, you know, the flashy violence and massive power. You just... You gotta just you do you gotta believe in yourself and like especially and again what we were talking about with like uh, at Charlie losing when you relied too much on the flashiness. The reason Adam does so well is because he knows how to box like a person. Yeah, he goes from he goes to the fundamentals, what he actually knows, not what he 
like not what the audience wants. Exactly, but then it turns out the audience do want them because they love them, and we love them. This movie's really good because, like, it, it's <laughs> like again, it's so by the numbers. You honestly know where this movie's going if you've watched any sports movie, if, if you've seen or even know yeah, what Rocky's this is about. Just, this is this, yeah, this is the ending of Rocky One. Is he he loses the decision. To, and, but no one even expected he would get that far, which is, again, why people compare this to Rocky. So, in case you couldn't tell, that's the end of the movie. They, he's the people's champion. Everyone's cheering. And that's the end of Real Steel, and we love it. Watch it. Love it like we do. Real Just Steel is real good. Real good. It's real good. I think that might be the name of the episode, is Real Steel is real good. <laughs> which, I mean, it kind of means you don't need to listen to all of this, because you're, but whatever. You know our verdicts. Uh, like. You know our verdicts. Um, so... I know we're, we generally just kind of wrap up after this, but since this is a bonus episode that I'm running, I decided we wanted to take some questions about it just because <laughs> there's so many questions that we want to answer ourselves. Mm-hmm. So uh, just first off, Jules, what do you want to see out of a Real Steel sequel? Okay, what I would like to see is how this people's victory has created a sea change in the sport itself. So you see a lot more like... Um, I want to see how this has a, like, ripple effect. So we see, like, bots mimicking Adam more, like, uh, more development being put into, like, maybe a more advanced version of the Shadow program, and, like, uh, maybe older bots being brought out of, like, storage because, you know, people believe in a trend. In the same way, like, it's on one of the, like to get a bit blue here, like, it's one of the sad facts about when you see, like, movies about specific breeds of dogs and animals, where, like, when those come out, you see a lot of people start buying those breeds of dogs without actually researching it, and I can imagine that happening in this universe, where, like, oh man, everyone wants to be like Adam, so we're gonna bring out all these old bots, or we're gonna try and, like, make bots smaller and more agile, and I want to see how, then, if Adam becomes the norm because he inspired that, how does Adam then change to still be different enough to, like, stand out in the crowd? Yeah, the main thing I want, I want Adam's backstory. I want to know... Yes, that as well. I want to know why he kind of has this, uh, not AI, but kind of has this special quality to him. And again, they don't necessarily really need to explain it, but I feel like they set it up that there is a reason for it. Or just... Like, I want there to be a single moment in if there is a sequel, God willing. Like, at one moment, during a point where, like, you know, Charlie again has to shadow box during the match, but he, like, pulls a shoulder or, like, dislocates or just gets, like, bumped into the crowd and, like, gets injured, and then we see Adam throw a punch on his own. Oh, that's actually an awesome idea. Like, just, like, we, like... Adam, like, stops moving, and then we everyone's cheering and, like, trying to get Adam to, like, punch again, like, or trying to roll up Charlie again, and then as they're picking up Charlie, we see in the background just Adam throw this punch and start to learn how to actually stand on his own two feet. Oh, or you know what else would be good, um, is if, like, the same thing, like, they bo- like they're boxing, but then Charlie, like, hurts himself or something, and he's like, I can't do it, like, can't finish the round, and then Adam throws the punch, and you just see, like, the people in the crowd are shadow boxing, like, they throw the punch. Oh, that'd be good as well. Like, the oh, entire crowd be, like, is just, like, throwing a right. The, like, the literal people's champion being, like, exactly. by the people, like... The the other the other thing I would like to see, Liz is just, I, like, mm-hmm. I don't know if this, well, I think that would be interesting to do, is, like, Adam keeps doing better and better in the WRB. I'm not saying he needs to, the next one, he needs to fight Zeus right away or anything. Mm-hmm. But I think, um... Charlie should start to try and use all the money they're making 
to try and uh, improve Adam, like like get him a faster processor and like yeah. maybe better, better armor and stuff like that. But then at some point, um, Max realizes that by doing all this, he's kind of losing what makes Adam Adam, and it's kind of that whole question about like what how why is that robot so why is he so special and then you can kind of tie that into his backstory whatever that is yeah like you can change something to a certain degree to make it better definitely like objectively but you also have to ask when you should stop with that and what what's the point where you've changed it too much the point where you've lost what you actually appreciated about it in the first place also i would like to see talk machido become more of a villain like he like maybe he steals Adam's source code or something, oh. and then incorporates that into an updated version of Zeus. I want either Takamishido to go full villain like that, or t- or go into like antihero and like them finding a common enemy and a new foe. Like say like um, Lemkova has ditched Takamishido, and now she's bought a new bot with a new programmer who's the new hot whiz on the scene, and. Like, this guy just doesn't respect the sport whatsoever, or even the designs, or the robots, and Takamashita wants to help Adam beat this guy as well. Sean Levy, any, any of those, talk to us. We're here yeah, like, to, all, yeah, all the time. Give us a hit call. Us up, we got ideas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, Jules, I mentioned who my favorite robot is, which is obviously the one and only Noisy Boy. Who's mm-hmm. your favorite robot? really liked Six Shooter. Oh, Six Shooter? Yeah, he's only on screen for a couple seconds, but his design's really dope. He's, he's, he's got spurs and a cowboy hat, but he's a robot. He does have all that, and his gu- and his arms are like guns, because they make like a reload, like a pew-pew <laughs> noise when he like poses. Yeah, like he literally, he showboats by like, pointing each arm like 45 degrees in like a v-shape from him and like firing off like bang it's bang awesome. and like they cock and reload it's so fucking it's good pretty dope. and by the way that question was asked by at i love mac and cheese on twitter asked who are who our favorite robots are um good good question uh jar jar of moldy mayo asks why is gundam more popular than votoms when votoms have cooler robots Oh, okay, Roadhomes, okay, okay. Roadhomes, uh, I've seen these kits, weirdly enough. Um, they're a different kind of mech series. Hang on uh, a second, from- Jules, Jules, there's a D-comedy rule. If you're going to do this, you have to have a segment. Ladies and gentlemen, Jules' is Gunpla Corner. So basically... I'll find some music and insert it. So, like, basically, Roadhomes, from what I know, is another, you know, military sci-fi mecha anime... Um, different arc incarnations. It's been around since the '60s. I think it like went on until until the '80s, which is pretty impressive, from what I can recall. Actually, no, sorry, it um was in the '80s only for the most part, but it's still got a cult following to this day. Um, the robots are a lot more solidly designed than the Gundams. Like uh, at least early Gundams were a bit more not spindly, but there was a framework there, which is what they built off on. The Roadhoms feel more like fully realized mech suits, and they feel more like suits than, like, mecha, almost, and I've heard people almost describe them as, like, um, they're treated more like vehicles than they're treated like specific characters and, uh, like, particular robots. I, honestly, I've actually done digging into why Gundam is so successful. Um, a lot of the mainstream appeal is attributed to the model kits, because weirdly enough, Gundam was actually a failing show from the start. Like, Bandai and Sunrise as producers had no faith in the show. They originally wanted the Gundam to be all gray and white to cut down on production costs because they didn't want to add color to it. Um, the animation is honestly terrible for like a 70s anime. It's just not good and you can't chalk that up to the time period because there's amazing animation even in TV during that point. But it 
the kids played a big role because, you know, you could build the robot you see on TV. That's always been a big appeal. That's, you know, the reason behind Transformers being so successful. But honestly, um, the creator himself, uh, Tomino, has actually said one of the biggest reasons why Gundam succeeded so much was actually the female fan base. Uh, it was actually after recording sessions back, like backstage and like outside the um, the building, female fans would be the ones congregating and asking like voice actors for their autographs and like wanting to talk more with the producers because yeah, Gundam was actually a very sensitive show for its time. It wasn't very macho compared to a lot of what you would expect from military stories, and it had a lot of sincerity behind the characters. And frankly, there was just a lot of shipping involved between the male characters. Like, even back then, it was very, like, you could almost say Gundam was Japan's, like, it helped create their Kirk and Spock in terms of slash fiction in uh, (laughs) sci-fi. Like, in sci-fi male shipping, which is how, I mean, there's always going to be shipping. There's always going to be shipping. It's been around since, you know, the very beginning of time when there have been two fictional characters who have interacted with each other. It's what we tend to do is just... Society, but yeah, that's what I've heard Gundam be like. Gundam has always had such a strong female fan base that hasn't gotten the recognition it frankly deserves. Fair point. I didn't understand any of it, but fair point. Um, from uh, KY Luby at Shut Your Pickles, uh, who would win in a fight, Hugh Jackman with an American accent or Hugh Jackman with an Australian accent? Ooh, Oof. Hugh Jackman with an Australian accent's a bit more wild, like. That, yeah, that's that's true. It's actually it's perfect that we have you on here because you are Australian, I'm American, so we have to. <laughs> but but American accent, Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. I was gonna say, yeah, you've got the upper hand in that. Well, okay, American accent, but Canadian Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. True, but it's an. That, well, technically, Wolverine <laughs> is not Canadian. I he mean, was, yeah, he moved. He's from America. He was born in America as James Howlett, and relocated to Canada later, and then lost his memories, and then got yeah. the name Logan. I'm, you know what? This is, I'm not going to go into the whole Marvel chronology. Of no, Wolverine, no, but yeah, like but, I get what you mean. Um, yeah, Australian Hugh Jackman hasn't seen a lot of prominence lately. Uh, also, American Hugh Jackman was in Oklahoma, so ooh, mm, I'm going to have a, You have a good point. Mm. But you know what? Let's just say this: we both love Hugh Jackman. He's mm-hmm. great. He's great in this movie. Why do they have to fight? Can't we? Well, yeah. Let's all accept Hugh Jackman into our hearts, and then but yeah, there's there's room in my heart for more than one Hugh Jackman. Absolutely. Um, and so our last question was from a friend of mine who wished to remain anonymous because okay. we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. Mm-hmm. But the reason this this uh, the reason this episode exists is because of a particular stream me and Jules were both on, in which we never answered the question that was posed, which is. Which real steel robot would you bone down on? Oh, that's a good question. Hmm. Because we asked that apparently during the stream and never answered it, and they wanted answers. Okay, well, like, do you want to go first? Because I can go first. No, no, go first. Okay, buddy. uh, you're on top. Like, I'm just gonna say it. Like, Zeus is obviously the daddy of the group. Like, you can't get around that. That's basically what they're pitching to us. Um, but that's not necessarily the one I'd go to. Like. I'm not gonna lie, if you've ever listened to me on any other shows, which I'll pitch at the end of this, like, you, mm-hmm. people, and if you follow me on Twitter, uh, at GatsbyLow, <laughs> you, definitely if you follow her on Twitter, you will see, I have a certain predilection for a category I call soft boy, which essentially just means it's not linked to any particular body type or any particular, like, general shape, it's more based on personality, demeanor, and attitude, and Adam is definitely a soft boy robot. Like, 
um, yeah, you feel like Adam would really, like, care for you, like, with the shadow function as well, that would come in handy a lot of the time if you want to show Adam what you, like, how to communicate what you want in the bedroom. <laughs> okay. Like, like, yeah, uh, so wait, are you telling, are, yeah, are, like, so are you saying you would teach him sign language so you could better convey it to him? I wouldn't teach him sign language, Lucas. I'm not going to say it out loud, because I don't want to completely incriminate myself. You, you you told me at the beginning this would be one of my less incriminating podcasts to be on, and you give me this question. Uh, listen, I didn't ask it. We can do a different one. There, <laughs> no, there no, is no. One, I'm there happy is to one, answer. There is, there is one good one on here that I do want, that I, we should do. <laughs> that's a good, honestly, that's a good question as well, but yeah, my answer would be, Adam, I feel like that's almost the vanilla answer, but that's, I gotta go with my heart. I can't believe I'm about to say the sentence. Are we talking just the movie, or are we opening this up to the whole Real Steel expanded universe? I mean, I, I, I'll admit, I don't know as much about the expanded universe. You probably have more knowledge about that than I do. Um, okay, I'll ask you this. Would you really say no to Noisy Boy? I, but I feel like I respect Noisy Boy too much. No, but, but at the if, same but time. If, but if Noisy Boy is asking you, if Noisy Boy is the one coming to you, you're not coming on to Noisy Boy. You know what? That's that, That's not... You're not you're not wrong is the thing. Like like See, why is it why, most, why isn't your answer six shooter? Like he's got guns for arms. Well, cuz six shooter's great, but also like I don't care I can also imagine six shooter being like just a beer drinking alpha male and I'm not into That's that. Fair. Noisy boy has also seen the world. Noisy boy has learned a lot of techniques from Okay, his no. Travels. No, no, not having this conversation. Uh, fine. I'll well I, I'm <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm looking through the Real Steel wiki, which, by the way, people, there's a Real Steel wiki. Check it out. It's, oh, it's... there's a wiki for everything, and I'm not surprised no, that Real Steel has one. No, yet. yeah. Um, oh, there is... Oh. Oh, hello. <laughs> there... Oh, I wish... Oh, God, I wish we had Molly on, because there's one called Hypnotizer, and she could tell us all about that. <laughs> okay. I'll pass that on to her. Okay. Um, yeah, fine. I'll... Say, I'll say noisy boy just because it's not my thing. But the last one, I before we close, before we do our plugs, I should I do want because mm-hmm. it's a good question. Um, okay. Jules, and I'll explain this to me. But Dumb Moon Rules is calling you out. Um, mm-hmm. What is the name of your? If you could make a robot for the WRB, what would it be? And they said yours's name would be Kit Basher. Kit Basher is really good. I'm not gonna lie, that's a really good name. Um, it, I would feel that would be. Such false advertising, though, because when you say kit bash in any form, you're implying that you're basically using other parts from multiple kits or costumes to create something unique. I don't do that with my model kits. So, and you don't want to steal Metro's thing? That's already Metro's thing. Yeah, like my yeah, I am very much a straight build person. I'm this year gonna branch out into like actually customizing painting and like doing scratch builds of Gundams and stuff because I want to actually, you know, not do competitions although that might be something in the future as a hobby but like i just want to create something more unique with my model kits um Kipash is really good though that's got such good ring to it but so what so what, what would his get what would his flair be Ooh, i think uh, the thing with Kipash would be that every fight he's different in some way oh i like that actually that's there would cool. be a core unit, like but like 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 so you, yeah so like he walked like you enter like the arena dark and it comes out and then you can see what cool stuff you've had. I like that. That's a cool idea. Mine is just, if anyone knows me, my whole thing, if I'm playing a character in like a video game or a board game or something, I, it's always fire with me. They got to be able to do something with fire. That's my whole thing. Mm, mm. So mine's name would be wildfire and he would nice. have like vents on his sides mm-hmm. where, and so his whole thing would be, his specialty would be headlocks. 
So he oh. would like grab people, hold them to his like chest, and then flames would just shoot out of his sides and just melt the person's face. That'd be real good. Yeah, that'd be my, that'd be also, my boy. Also, Wildfire wouldn't need Pyro for his entrance. He would be his own Pyro. Yes, he would be. That'd be just walk out, just shooting flames out of his own chest column. Yes. yes. <laughs> Yes. Sean Levy, please call us. <laughs> call us. We have ideas. <laughs> uh, all right. That's going to do it for us, folks. Thank you so much for coming on this uh, special bonus episode with me and Jules. I hope you had fun. We absolutely did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jules, I normally plug audio entry, but considering you're actually on the network, why don't you tell us about it? Uh, so yeah, Audio Entropy is a collective network, uh, an independent group of just a bunch of, like, people who became friends through doing podcasts separately and we all realized hey we all kind of know each other let's just form a group and actually like make a hub for all these shows so you can find uh me specifically on the digital moncast where we're rewatching digimon um from the very beginning and giving our own like criticisms and gushings about it uh it's a show we both love and hate you, that's also a show where we get very easily distracted by topics ranging from the Australian government to Pokemon a lot of the time. It's um, it's a it's it's a very good show. I I, I am a big fan of the podcast. Thank you. Uh, I'm also on Transmission Radio, which is a very special podcast because it's me, uh, Molly, and Ashley from Totally Reprised, the both of them, and it's us two giving what we call amateur anecdotal advice as twenty-something trans women in this day and age, and just basically talking about our experiences and our past and what, you know, we hope in the future, having some fun with it. There have been some heavy moments regarding, like, family and, you know, briefly talking about relationships. We'll get into that deeper, because each episode is once per month on the 15th of every month, and each month is a different topic. Um, But yeah, we try and come at it this with, you know, enough levity, because... There's just so much bad news these days, and we also take a lot of questions, and we're just really happy that we have fans. Also, you should follow them on Twitter. The reason this episode exists is because me and Jules were on a stream done by the Video Entropy stream channel, which is the Auto Entropy Twitch channel, and we were just having fun playing some Jackbox games, and I believe I stole a joke Jules was going to make about Real Steel. And yep. so, and so I said, we and we both do... discovered we love Real Steel, which yeah. is a real good movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so we decided to do an episode on it. And so, if you want to check out the last couple streams that uh, they did, go to t- Twitch.tv/VideoEntropy and follow them on Twitter, so you can know when another one's coming. Because I believe you guys are going to do some more later on, right? We've definitely got some plans. It's mostly the case of just scheduling. It's been the holiday period; we haven't had time to put anything together. Um. I'm definitely going to be looking at doing something where I actually build a Gunpla, like, live on a stream, and take questions, and just chat about the hobby with uh, Zach from TWA. It's a great network. I am a fan of it, and you should be too. So, Jules, thank you so much for joining me this, uh, not not this month, because this is just a bonus episode, so it's not a monthly thing. And, oh, by the way, if anyone's wondering who's listening to this, don't worry, there will still be um, a regular Disney Channel original movie episode coming out later in the month so look forward to that this is just a fun thing that i wanted to do uh since me and jules both absolutely adore this movie so i hope listening to us say how much we love it for like the past however long it's been i hope you will at least watch it and judge it for yourself and honestly like thank you for listening and thank Mm -hmm. you for having me lucas this has been great yes thank you so much for coming on i had a great time i hope you did too 
Definitely. Anyway, all right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Jules, say it with me to end the episode. There's There's more here. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everybody. His name is Adam. Can we get him a fight? I don't think he was ever a boxing robot. He was a G2. Built in early 2014, he was a sparring bot. They must have built robots like this one at the mirror of the fighting style of any other robot. Okay, so can we get him a fight? Are you not listening? He's a sparring bot, right? Built to take a lot of hits, but never dishing out any real punishment. You always try to sell him off for parts. Can't you get him a fight? Oh, why can't you get him a fight? Get him a fight. God, you don't fit through. You want me to put him in some bottom rung scrap fest to the death? Come on, I saw how scared you were at Crash Palace. Yeah, the places that would let you fight this robot would make you pee your little pants. Excellent. Get him a fight.